everyone, and welcome to another episode of This Week in X presented by Crushing Comics. I'm here with three of my favorite people, my fellow mutants from around the world from me, Tyler, Harry, and Fariha. And we are here to talk about the X-Men comic books out on the 24th of February, 2021. And that's three issues. It's Wolverine number 10, New Mutants number 16, and X-Men number 18. Additionally, the mutants of Marvel made a few other appearances around the Marvel Universe. We might slightly get into those as well, which is why I need to present you with this spoiler warning. We're going to get into the full details of these books, other books out this week, other details of the history of the X-Men in the Marvel Universe. So this is a full spoilers program, and we will not be providing any more warnings and certainly no apologies. With that, let's get into our introductions. Tyler, let me ask you, do you keep in touch with some old friends? Who's like the oldest personal connection that you still have a connection with in this day and age? Um, the oldest group of friends that I still keep in touch with are friends that I met in my secondary school. And when I say secondary, it, it, sort, it roughly translates to seventh grade. So, so middle um, seven, or intermediate, yeah, the way that seven, eight, nine, tenth year. So um, there's um, I have um, let me see one, two, three, four, four of them that I have kept really close uh, in close contact with, even when I'm in New York City. So um, you know, I mean, it has been many many years. Um, the majority of them have not left the country, mm. except for me. One of them has went overseas to study and do travel a lot. Um, I mean, I still keep in touch with them. Every time I go back to Singapore, we meet up, we have food more than once. And um, unfortunately, sometimes because of the distance and because of my experience in overseas and also because they are all married, <laughs> um, it is, I mean, there is a little bit of a disconnect at times. Um, you know, I mean, we do reminiscence about stuff that happens before when we were together, when I was in Singapore, but... Um, as our life diverge, um, certain things don't connect that well. Mm. Um, you know, like, like, I mean, like the obvious one will be, you know, I'm not concerned about kids because I don't have any kids. I'm not concerned about um, their education and stuff like that. You know, where else? You know, that is typically uh, on the forefront of a parent's minds when, when they are like, okay, you know, if I'm going to move um, to a new housing estate, are the schools there good or are the schools there not as good and that kind of things. Um, it, I mean, it, it, we, we have different concerns right now, I would say. It's amazing so do, do how they, much... Oh, go ahead, Freya. No, no, I said, do they try to recruit you in a mercenary team? No, they did not. And they don't recruit me in, in, into their marriage uh, <laughs> marriage <laughs> uh, group as well. Like, you know, they don't try and introduce girlfriends to me. Um, well, to be fair, only one of them know I'm gay. The other three does not. Harry, let me ask you, do you have a story about sneaking out of the house as a youth? Okay, so oh, it yes. is my junior <laughs> year in high school, and uh, <laughs> my friends want me to go to the midnight release of The Amazing Spider-Man in 2012. Now, uh, I was into Sorry, I just crumbled the dust, but please continue your story. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm really dating myself here. Uh, so, yeah, they um, basically, you know, my folks lived uh, upstairs at second floor, so it was easy to kind of get in and out. But sometimes, because they would wake up sometimes and check to make sure 
the doors are locked. So I'm at the door. I'm watching Andrew Garfield do an okay job as Spider-Man. And then I come back. But, you know, because it's a long movie, I get back around like, you know, 2 30 3 o'clock and i go to the doors and every door in the house is locked and you cannot get into the house no (laughs) i did not and i should have so i'm like okay so somehow i I, i'm like i guess they're gonna realize i've been sneaking out so i'm knocking on the door they are so asleep they can't hear me no i don't i still don't know why i did this but i go to the garage and i grab a ladder and I walk out with the ladder and put it against the the, pa- the balcony up top. And I start climbing up to wake up my parents, oh my who appropriately freak the hell out because they think someone's trying to break into their house and kill them. So they're screaming. I hear them screaming. And then we all talk it out. It's great. I only took off a couple years from their lives. And it was good. And it's all for Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> The fact that you said that it's Amazing Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield one, I'm so yeah. old right now. I don't even know what to say. I was seven. It's not even Tobey Maguire one. Yeah. Wow. I, I, lo- I, lo- I saw the Tobey Maguire movies in theaters. They were very good. Yeah. With a pair yeah. of as a, what, as a- I, You know, it just makes me happy that I can forge these intergenerational bonds with you all. <laughs> I, yeah, that was an interesting movie to watch. That's all I can say. Um, that was one where you kind of like m- make yourself like, like, yeah, it's good, it's good. And then you wake up, you're like, I don't know what the hell was going on there. You know? <laughs> but that's me. Furia, let me mm-hmm. ask you, I, this is the case for me. I could probably go into 100 versions of the story. Have you ever put down a skill or a project and then come back to it after a long time away and just feel like you've kind of magically improved even though you haven't been away rehearsing or thinking about it or, or practicing it at all? Yeah, so so the thing is, like, it's not necessarily a skill-related, but it's mostly as project-related. So back in 2016, I believe, I tried reading Uncanny X-Men by Chris Claremont. <laughs> like, started with the giant-size X-Men uh, and then I nearly wanted to cry because I'm like, oh, what is this? Well, <laughs> and you, you do know that Giant Size X-Men is not written by Claremont. No, I know, I know. It was written by Len White. So I read that and I read like thing 94 and mm. 95, I think. Mm. And then I'm like, oh, no, what is this? I can't. No, 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 no. This is not happening. Uh, and then I'm like, I don't care about X-Men. I don't, I don't want to do this. And, you know, and then... Last year, in I think November, we came back to, I came back to it with Trash with two of you to hold my hand and guide me <laughs> and then be like, no, no, it's okay for you. Keep, yeah. Let's keep reading. Um, and yeah, now I'm enjoy, I'm reading it. I mean, enjoying is different than, you know, all the discussion we have. Uh, but I have now reached 119 from Giant Sons X-Men to that. So that's something, you know, improved. I, I like, you know, four years later, I came back and I have a new different appreciation. I also read like, I think like thousands of comics in between. So now I have a better understanding of things as well. So oh, in a way, it is a skill improvement, comic reading, skill improvement. I also yeah. now see, look for like shininess of hair, coloring, lettering, <laughs> all of that. And I'm like, Oh my God, it has everyone's eyes drawn in the faces <laughs> because that's important <laughs> that we learned. So, so yeah, it's been, it's been a different experience. 
That's always fascinating to me because we have a joke in our household that um, you're visited. It's a, I can't explain the whole story, but we say you're visited by the acapella fairy if it's been a really long time. Because <laughs> when we used to be in acapella groups, if you would practice something after a long time not practicing and it would just work, even though you had like beaten it into the ground for months and you couldn't quite get it right. And then it was like that in my band too. Sometimes you'd be like, oh, let's just do that one for old time's sake. And you play and be like, were we ever this good? And I really just think it's it's that you have all of like that life experience that's been percolating since the last time. Other songs you've heard, other comics you've read, and you come back to it and you just, your perspective can never be the same as the perspective Mm -mm. that you left with to begin with. Uh, So I just, I just find that very interesting. Today I learned Tyler, uh, Peter was in acapella group or is. Yeah, I I thought about that too. I was like, "Mm, acapella. And this is pre-Glee. This is, we were in like a semi-professional acapella group. I actually did all the arranging, but I wasn't a good enough singer to do it in college. And then I like practiced and practiced and took voice lessons and learned how to read sheet music. And then after college, I was in a semi-professional acapella group of which no video evidence exists. (laughs) <laughs> oh damn! Sounds like there is because you just yeah. Did yeah. <laughs> now we're on the hunt, boys. <laughs> For Wolverine number ten, let's start as we always do with our lightning round of initial reactions, beginning with Tyler. Um, I I like it, but I did not like love it. There's something I'm quite confused about. About I mean, regarding the plot. Even though this is a really decompressed issue, uh, I just don't. I just couldn't get behind certain. I mean, um, the motivation of 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 some people. Um, I I mean, I like Kubert. Um, that is not a surprise. And the splash, um, the 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 splash pages were like divine. And um, you know, I mean, I give it a two point seven five live octopus out of five. Harry. <laughs> This issue is not annoying, which I think is a nice step up from the previous two, to be honest. I mean, I think this is a perfectly fine, acceptable issue where Wolverine hangs out with another one of his boys. Like, this, it seems like Percy's really just all in on, like, establishing kind of, like, bromances between Wolverine and other characters. And this one works fine. I don't really know Maverick historically, but it, it made sense. It was pleasant. And the big draw for me was... Um, Hubert, yeah, I think this issue looked amazing. Those splash pages were uh, beautiful. I'm not going to swear, but um, it's just it was it was a solid issue that wasn't irritating. And so, as far as this book's concerned, that's a win. So I'm going to give it two point five, uh, two point five um, bro feelings out of five. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Tom. What did you think of this issue? Uh, it was fine. I mean, you know, the thing is, like, I feel like there had to be one, I mean, we're going to get into it later that, you know, it's like, oh, traitor in Krakoa. And this is how it all starts. And then we're also going seeing that we talked about it before that Percy and Dugan working together, but the ex text that started with Marauders, right, is now started to show up here. So there's like a lot of synergy going on. Um, I was a little enraged, like I was seeing white because I was so enraged you know, for the first couple of pages where it's all white. Like I was seeing white. I'm like, am I just angry? What is going on? Um, So that really annoyed me. But then the splash pages were kind of good. So yeah, bring it on. I mean, why is this not part of X-Force? Why do we have a separate title? Questions need to be asked. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I I felt very similarly to the three of you. It's it's fine. It's a fine comic yeah. book. If Wolverine has to have a comic, I guess this is good. I I 
I did like some things about the art, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. I I liked this kind of reconstitution of Maverick because he's appeared not for a while and so seldom to begin with that you can kind of go anywhere you want and it feels distinct. Like it didn't just feel like an old mercenary, but a specific old mercenary who we've maybe met before. So I think it did a nice job with that. And it didn't go to that incredibly expected place with Madripoor stuff. So I'm kind of like slightly positive on this. I think it shows to me that that Percy's ready to hit a couple of different kind of tonal beats in Wolverine. And that gives me a little bit of optimism to go to the next 10 issues, which maybe I didn't have over the last two or three issues. Real damning with faint praise vibe going on so far here. But uh. <laughs> Well, look, there are a few things of note to talk about here. And I want to dig into something that Faria mentioned and, and Tyler mentioned. I, I don't know that Harry got into it specifically, but the art. And very specifically, this incredibly specific choice to do four by four panel grid, which is a pretty tight grid on a page to begin with, Mm -hmm. but to not do every one of the 16 panels and to just let the rest of the space be white space. Mm -hmm. It's, um, it's really distinct and shocking. Like Mm -hmm. I kept kind of double taking, it helps guide your eyes around the page, but do you all think it was ultimately effective or was it just a gimmick? Tyler, you're probably the biggest, oh, Freya, then go first. I'll just say, Tyler's generally the biggest Adam Kubert fan. We know that of the four of us. But Freya, what did you think since you were seeing white? No, I mean, the first of all, if you're going to put that much white space, this issue better be costing like half the the money of a normal issue. You cannot be charging three days. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm looking for a discount because you didn't have to do anything. Also, this pa- type of paneling actually works if you're showing a character moving from top story to a downstairs. Like, you know, top st- upstairs from downstairs. See, I know some things about Movements. art people. Yeah, it's like it has to be a movement of that. You cannot be showing this in the same step, like, you know, same location and then do mm-hmm. multiple stuff, the close up and the back away. No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> you can't do that. So okay, yeah, I, so the thing, I, so I was very annoyed by this. I'm like because I was like I was trying to see if there is a movement, but no, it's all happening in the same level and it's just all white. I was angry. I was seeing white. <laughs> okay. Sorry. In- initially, I thought Cooper is uh was cheating because, you know, there was so much white space. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, it is intentional. It is meant to signify Maverick coming out of a mind wipe and getting his bearings. So there will be parts of him where he's still trying to get bearings. So it's a blur. It's for him. It's blank for him. So he will be doing things like you see the 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 reason why I'm saying this is that the first two pages has all these white spaces and then it says that okay I'm good now I got my bearings and you open up with the splash page full on with everything. So his mind is clear at that point. And I think it's intentional. And yeah, I know. Because when I first read it, I was like, wait, why? What's the intention? <laughs> What's the purpose of doing this? Right? Like, why are there so many random white spaces? Is he so slow that he's like trying to cheat? And it's like, okay, I'm going to draw smaller spaces, smaller panels and not fill up the entire page. Um, but I think it's intentional. I mean, that's... But that's, the thing that's, is, that's so, so, then, so then how do you explain the later one? He's going back mm. into his his mind washed because later last two pages are also like that. Yeah. So I think the last two pages for me is more like is 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 more of a um what do you call um is is more artistically done in the sense and is I mean I don't have I don't have a good explanation for the second last page 
But for the last page, it's more like a dun 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 type of situation. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, dun dun dun. Yeah, because you can see yeah, that, right? Exactly. Well, like, it's the yeah. same rhythm. It's not yeah. all the other pages are asymmetrical, but that last one is like box, 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 and all the boxes yeah. are the same. And like that, I have, I mean, I want to hear Harry get into this too, but I have mm-hmm. different op- opinions about almost every time it happens because the rhythm of how he performs it actually changes, I think, how it comes off. But Harry, what was your take on these? I thought it was for the most part effective. I, I wouldn't go as far as gimmick. I, I do agree with Tower that I think it does kind of like explain Maverick's emotional state or kind of point to it. Um, I, I did really like the um, the ending pages where it is kind of like sparse but focusing on Maverick's, Maverick's face and positioning in that cafe. And then by the time you get to the final panel where he's he's made up his mind or whatever that's going to mean, it like it, it felt powerful. I was like, okay, this this issue ended on a pretty resonant note, which was uh, nice. Okay, so hold on to that. That I will. I'll come. Like I have a question about that, but we'll get to that later. But anyway, I you know, hearing you all talk about it has really opened my eyes to it. I don't think I made all these connections <laughs> with how it connected with Maverick coming out and all of his you know fugue uh, or any of these things. But um, I think they were executed really differently. So I loved the ones that were isolated panels with a full background behind them. And the panels were popped out. I think we've, we've seen a lot of that on Hawkeye comic books. Um, David Aja definitely mm-hmm. used it. Last week, mm-hmm. Elena Casagrande used it to brilliant effect on Black Widow. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I think that's really effective. I like when you just give us a general background, then you pop the same characters in motion on that background repeatedly. The first page to me is really interesting for two reasons. One, because it showed kind of um, levels of action, which gets a little bit to what Faria was saying. The first row was tight close-ups. The second row was kind of like, farther away from them. The third row was like a wide shot. So even though it was all the same place, so it didn't get into freeze kind of upstairs, downstairs thing, I, I think it actually is effective. And I love that they let the word balloons be outside of the panels, almost like this is just a moment in time, but actually a lot of things were said. And it's like, how do you contrast somebody who's saying all these things, but they're just in this one moment of fury. But then the second page kind of fizzled on that. And so did the first page of the return to the white space at the end in the cafe. Mm-hmm. And then I, similar to Tyler, kind of liked the dun-dun-dun of the <laughs> final one. So I think, you know, I, I'm happy to see Cooper take risks. I think some artists get to where they're just doing this stuff out of rote. I think Mike Diodato, who I really do enjoy, mm. tends to just grid everything, just to grid it. It's all gridded. It's yeah. being griddled. <laughs> um, and it's and like sometimes you look at a page and you're like, this was a beautiful page. You could just take away the grid lines like you, you didn't need them. And I don't feel yeah. like that here. Yes. I feel like he was I using it with that. purpose and that's interesting. Well, I want to I want to take a few of the big plot points one at a time for a moment here. Mm-hmm. So one of them is kind of Maverick's implicit rejection of Krakoa. Wolverine does eventually get him to visit, but Maverick's mm-hmm. like, I'm not looking for all that X-Men nonsense. I'm not looking for another family. A family's only as good as the person who isn't currently stabbing you in the back is basically Maverick's <laughs> position. And so even though Krakoa is nice and all, and he kind of relents on it a little bit, um, He just is like, I don't need to be included in this mutant umbrella. I'm not looking for that right now. It's not what I need in my life. To the point that he might actually be turning against them, which we'll get to as we talk about the CIA. What did you think about this development for Maverick, uh, Freya, that he's he's like, I don't need your rah, rah, rah mutant thing. I'm not looking for a family. So... We kind like it's it's a good thing because the thing is that like, mutants are not monolith, right? So you right. have like different shades of mutant, and this is one of the shades. Like we have, um, I'm forgetting. Oh my god, he's one of my favorite. How did I forget his name? Marvel's Hellblazer. Blazer. What's that guy's name? Pete Wisdom. Wisdom. The 
yeah, yeah Pete Wisdom. Them. There's there's Pete Wisdom type who is like, yo, get away from me with those flowers, <laughs> gross. And then there is this, there is the maverick point of view. It's like I really don't want to be part of it. But then mm-hmm. I was also like, it's all about advertisement, Wolverine. Don't take him to this like pixie flying around place. Take him to where Shadow King is. Take him to where Mr. Sinister is. Then he'll be like, yo, this is my, these are my people. I want to be that's, part of that. Well, like, that's my question I, though. So like, why are there pixies? Why are there so many pixies flying around? In I mean, you know, you and that to me, I was, yeah, that, that really lo- made me roll my eyes. I'm like, oh, yeah. please. Pari, what did you think about this whole Maverick development? Do you buy it? Do you like it? <laughs> I think he's, fine he his he doesn't really have a great pitch compared to Krakow where he's like hang out with me and my boys like playing cards and stuff in like our little clubhouse on our nuclear submarine or wherever yeah on our sub and I'm like all right well argued but um there is a magical like love island uh where you can live forever I feel like that might be better I mean that's a very shallow read but like um I mean, yeah, he's like he's like the classic character, like pulling at Wolverine's past. Like, why don't you be a loner? But like, I like a version of that character who's beyond that. So and it was not really from- much of like a what's up? No, no, sorry. Go ahead. I was just it wasn't really much of like a debate for me. I was like, OK, this this, you know, Dorcas is going to go hang out on a submarine and we'll have Wolverine on the fun island, you know? Yeah, and the thing is, Wolverine also have Jean Grey over here. So why doesn't yeah. he need to leave any place? Like, he doesn't true. need to leave Krakoa. He, like, they're you know. hooking up in a hot tub. Why yeah. would you want to go on the sub? <laughs> yeah. Well, and to hook up with who? And Faria, yeah. sorry, I, I interrupted you earlier. Did you have something else to complete your thoughts on this? Oh, yeah. So my com- thought was, and this was like coming back to it, it's like, is, um, is he actually turning? Or he is like, you know, trying to get like help Krakoa because he somehow bought into it a little bit. Hmm. That's what I was saying. Like, you know, because the thing is like, I don't know. I don't know if it's like truly a twist like that. I, I mean, and that's because I don't know anything about this character. So that's why I wanted to ask this question to those who know. It's like, is he the kind of person who would actually go into the X-Tex? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm your man, but actually he's trying to help. Because I feel, I feel like, like he's Wolverine the kind of person would. who would like play all parties against each other. I, I don't I don't think he's ever on anybody's side fully. Not because oh, he's such that. an evil character. He's not. He just mm-hmm. kind of has been burned so many times by groups of people that he he kind of just is like, well, I'm a team of one, ultimately. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Tyler, is okay. that how you think of Maverick? Yeah, that's that's my note here too. I said he has he had been used too many times to trust anyone but himself. Mm. And right. in this case, I think there is um, there is a reason for him to mistrust Professor X. Um, he has never been in doctrine as X-Men. So he has never been an X-Men. But he has been used by governments many, many times. And, you know, for him to say, well, yeah, you know, you have never, I mean, in, in some ways, they have never invited him to be an X-Men when it was not a government. And then now he wants, they want to invite him to Krakoa as you know because it's i mean it's a country now and so you know his his i think his um general mistrust of the of governments is kind of well placed Mm. here um Mm. and do remember that he doesn't have any more he doesn't have mutant powers and he's willing to give that up so he's he's willing to not undergo um you know the crucible to get his powers back 
Right. So the thing is, that, um, this week there was like a lot of discussion about death, power, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like mm-hmm. that's the theme of this week's X uh, in X. But um, no, but I was that kind of thinking, like because of his mistrust of government and stuff. To me, I was like, oh, that's kind of weird that you are handing yourself back to another government, you know, to be used. And you know, why not give it to you? Give it to you? So that's why I think mm. I thought that he's probably not doing it. Like you know, like he's not fully done, done, done. Actually, yeah. Done, yeah. done enough. <laughs> like, you know, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's what. But I was also kind of a little bit confused about what was going on. How did he ended up there in the first place? And it, I don't know. The whole thing was a little bit confusing. Mm. But then I'm like, I don't care enough to go back and check. Yeah, I feel like I have like fully disassociated from this plot. I remember <laughs> two issues ago was the issue I think with him on the cover where I was really angry that he wasn't in the issue, and like mm-hmm. Wolverine was tracking down his like goon squad. But then he was... He, how did he wind up at the auction? I don't remember right. at all. Well, yeah, I was... He, he, shot, he shot at Wolverine, right? <laughs> I don't yeah, know, but then man. he like, was brainwashed. <laughs> yeah, so so probably he was already brainwashed that, then. But then he's also running like his... kind of soft-pedaling the brainwashing no, a little bit in this issue? I don't like, know, that but that's what I'm up? thinking. Yeah. Like, and, and But the thing is, like, he also was like, leading his own team. So when did the team lost him? And when did he lost... What? what? Stunned by an appearance yeah. of the brainwashed Maverick. Like it says that. Yeah. So yeah. I mean so, look, so. you don't explain you don't explain the plot of a summer blockbuster. Like, oh no, how how did they manage to climb into this car <laughs> when they were running from this place? It's like nah. No, this is a summer yeah, blockbuster. Yeah, but that's not a summer Just blockbuster. Enjoy. Yeah. Gives us Godzilla humping King Kong, okay? Yeah. Or like, thrills. <laughs> real thrills, you know? Yeah. New York being destroyed for the 10,000th time on yeah, film. Yeah, I know. This is, this is not bringing enough of a blockbuster for me to prevent me from asking <laughs> questions. Yeah, this is happening in Madripoor. Come on, blockbuster, please. Blockbuster happens I, in Europe, okay? Like, I not in Madripoor. Want- I want to say real quick before I forget, my favorite part of the issue is that the uh, the um, the collector who was kind of like at gunpoint there at Claw Point, yeah. he's like, "Do you know that I have one of Punisher's guns? Like that's such a special thing. Yeah. <laughs> like the Punisher doesn't it's... have three thousand guns. Yeah, like in all New the York guns he's discarded yeah. when he's been out I of ammo. Con- you know." Yeah, it's continuing the theme of like very underwhelming trophies at this at this uh, concert. I, but then also to the collectors, like you know, these collecting group. I mean, I don't know what they why they will pick each other's junk. I love that they put hyphen in Spider Man because that's yeah. important to me. And I'm like, they actually put it's like Dash Man. I'm like, what? I'm like, oh, Spider Man. I'm like, and they put the dash in there. I'm like, that's important. You that know, important. real real nerds put that dash in there. And I will say, in the collector warehouse, there were some very fun Easter eggs. I don't yeah. know if it was just Cooper having fun or that if it's nice. meant to be plot significant. I mean, there was a Nimrod, Nimrod in there. I don't know if it was a Nimrod action figure or if it actually was Nimrod. Because <laughs> the scale of it made it look really tiny. But, you know, Nimrod's yeah. on the cover, too. But it could be really, now. really high. Yeah, could you? I, I really have trouble figuring out. But let's pause that for a second. Let's mm-hmm. talk about now the other government in here. Because we've kind of talked about... Maverick distrusting Krakoa because it's just another nation. Mm-hmm. And we talked about how he runs into the willing arms of the United States Central Intelligence Agency and the uh, member of the X-Desk who was at the auction willing to do something before guns went ablazing. And she's really looking for a way in right now. What do mm-hmm. we think of that development? Like, is it interesting at all? Do you think it's consistent with the memos we've been seeing from the X-Desk and Marauders? Tyler? No. I don't think so. I'm I'm super confused by the motivation and actions of X Desk here, 
because you know they were the one who gave Krakoa the information that the um, Hellfire kids were going to poison the uh, flowers, and then like and I mean you know especially um, this Asian Ramirez, she was supposed she was oh I mean she appears to be a friendly with Storm. They met in the um, mm-hmm. the the subway, and you know, with the cuckoo, basically mm-hmm. like ushering everybody out, and then they were like having a talk, um, and then over here, it seems like she's like, yeah, let's bring in all the ages, let's shoot at Wolverine and Maverick <laughs> because we need mutants, and I was like, what? I mean, I don't understand that. I mean, and I don't understand like how she's. I mean, well, kind of understand, but you know, she's like cratering that the arm of Wolverine all along. <laughs> so I don't know what she's up to. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, at the end, it kind of it kind of seems like, you know, they needed someone to spy on Krakoa. But the, 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 the part where they start shooting at Maverick at Wolverine, that's the part that I don't understand. Hmm. Harry? CIA? I, can, I cannot disagree with what Tyler just said. The motivations don't exactly line up. That being said, because uh, I did forget about the Marauders part, but in this issue, I, I don't know why. I do find it more interesting that the CIA is the antagonist rather than vampires or, you know, like uh, um, another government, like like the, the stuff in X-Force with, with Quentin Quire, what have you. Like, mm-hmm. that all is more fantastical, which is great for comics. But, like, I do like that the, the factional fighting is just the American CIA. And it, it's, like, a nice level, like, kind of shady and interesting that that actually worked for me. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely interested to see where it goes. Fariha? So, I think, like, it's very much U.S. the way they are. They will sign a treaty with a country and then send CIA after them. Like, so it kind of falls in. But I'm also kind of thinking between the time when she said, like, hey, she warned Storm about the thing, mm-hmm. how many times she has seen Quentin Quare die and come back? <laughs> like, have she seen that? And then that's why she's, she's probably now, these mofos are coming back from that. Yeah, shoot a clip in film. It's gonna be fine. <laughs> yeah, you know, see him later. So, so it's like so. There, that's one of the reasons she's probably like. I don't know why she now feels like she needs to go into Krakoa and something is really not right. Um, because I think we talked about it over the chat. I'm like, too many people know about resurrection for it to stay hidden, hidden. for too yeah. long. And it mm-hmm. that shoe has to drop. That everyone figures out that mutants are actually coming back. Like one of the Avengers one of these days will find out when they are fighting no. and one of them dies. Yeah, I didn't think Avengers. it was such a big secret, honestly. I don't know, maybe it's just I'm reading this all really differently than yeah. the rest no, of no, you. No. When you said that in chat, I was like, is it is, is it a secret? I, I don't know if it is. It's a secret. It's a I secret. And I think yeah. I think not only no, maybe that there's a the coming back is not a secret because everyone keeps coming back. How they are coming back okay. is how? probably yeah. a, a secret. Like how they are coming back so fast. Maybe something that she's picking up on, and maybe that's why she needs to. I don't know. And maybe just nothing. And just like CIA or maybe she's gonna CIA. I mean, the other thing is also like maybe she's just trying to prove to her boss that she was not bought, because um, I think in one of those uh, memos, her right. her her mom or something actually got the flower benefited from the right drugs. yeah 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 right. so so maybe she was just trying to prove to her boss that like you know I, i'm still with the cia i'm i'm impartial so yeah you know, i can shoot but- i can shoot at wolverine who has who was known to have a healing factor <laughs> so let's shoot at him doesn't matter <laughs> he won't die 
Right, but the thing is, the girl got higher budget now because she was crying about budget <laughs> all of murders. But now she has like you know people gun blazing. Yeah. I'm like, oh, girl, you got you got some budget there. <laughs> you got the money. Well, let's yeah. return to resurrection for a second uh, to close this out. Many of us, me, uh, assumed <laughs> that that spare claw of Wolverine was of Old Man Logan's because he mm. did at some point get a hand lopped off. Wolverine seems to really think that it's his. I would assume that he would know if it was an old hand. So I think that that's, uh, I think that that plot has been shut down. And we end, you know, on a data page where Wolverine very tersely, because imagine Wolverine typing with, you know, his one claw at a time on a keyboard, uh, very tersely writes to X Factor and is like, I think that you've got to look into my lost lives because we've got a, a, a missing Wolverine accounted for. Mm. This was kind of shocking to me because I didn't feel like it was built in. Like, do you feel like it's supposed to tie in with the vampire hypnosis thing? Is this a new plot? Like, I guess my question to the three of you is, do you think this is supposed to evoke some specific past plot? Or is this just pure new information? I Tyler, think the latter. Oh, Harry, why do you think the latter? <laughs> I don't know. Cause, well, my memory's mush, but I can't remember, a, you know, a place where he died and then like there was any kind of like indication that it was taken. Tyler, correct me. <laughs> what was the time he died? Hotspox. When he was, yes. when he, when he go, you know, slice off the okay. old head. And but he like went, went into, into the, the sun. sun. He yeah. burned into a crisp no, no, no. the face I, of I, God. I'm not saying that that's where they got his head. Yeah. I'm just saying that he has only been resurrected once on panel in the book. So that's my thing. As okay. we have seen in X-Force with Quentin Choir, that they have been on many many missions that were not documented in in any issues so he mm -hmm. could have died multiple times um though he did fall into a volcano and still managed to climb up alive so i mm -hmm. don't know if if like you know this is something that was established but i mean i feel like it's something that is going to play a part maybe in the in future issues and that's interesting, like a book about, you know, the random detritus of all of your destroyed past lives kind of being left over. Like that is an interesting plot. I, I would love for that to be the book for a little while. That's every Uberian series ever. Um, <laughs> okay, well, you know what? <laughs> like, You're correct. You know, it's like, yeah, over. Uh, but the thing is, yeah. to me, though, I was actually thinking, like, I was shocked that I'm like, he's getting resurrected? Why are we wasting eggs after him? Like, you know, he should be, he can't, the guy can come back. But then to that point, though, I was actually, even though he kind of went into the sun or everything, in my head, I feel like there's another Uberian running around because he can come back from anything because isn't that the whole thing? Like, you have have to mush him up take him like you know drown him take his hand and then like take his head and then he is still gonna come back there's well, no way a, to stop him no, no, but he can come back. no but he can come back from a single no, drop of blood like some yeah, weird nonsense that no, he can I come know. back from so i'm like is there another hooper running around like no, the, that... the one that went to the sun and you know i was kind of thinking about the old guard the movie like where it's like they drowned this one of the immortal and she just mm -hmm. keeps on coming back and getting drowned coming back and getting drowned but like, is that yeah. happening to him anyway i don't know why i spent so much time thinking about Wolverine, even though i don't care about him but anyway. well, I, I think actually this teases out the thing that to me is the most interesting about it it's not Ooh, where did the hand come from? Like, I don't really right. care. I think yeah. it just is an interesting question that ties back into the central Krakoan theme and to X Factor of like, how sure are we that Wolverine ever died in these lost lives, right? Throwing him to, into the sun 
pretty good, but he was almost thrown into the sun <laughs> with Gene at one point and comes back from barely anything. Now he had the Phoenix helping him then. But, mm-hmm. like, who's to say? And so, really, I-, I think a fun plot that we haven't fully explored yet in any of the titles is what happens when X-Factor is wrong. And there is a yeah. copy, except for Percy seems to be writing this same plot already for Quentin Quire mm-hmm. in X-Force. So I'm kind of just like... In a vacuum, it's interesting. In the scope of the X-Line right now, even this author himself is doing it better in another book, but maybe it's going to all thematically tie together. So I don't want to judge too harshly. Mm-hmm. I think this was executed decently. It asked some questions, and that's that's great. But here's the thought I want to leave us with, and I don't know we have to do a full round with this. I'm interested to see what people comment uh, on this, on, on the discussion on this episode, is... Is this what Wolverine's title should be about? Like, what do you want? If you're somebody who loves to buy a Wolverine title, some people do. There's a reason it's been an almost continuous publication other than from his death in 2014 to present. Um, What do you want from it? Do you want mutant nonsense? Do you want him farther from the mutant nonsense? Do you want him fighting governments as a secret agent? Do you want him fighting giant monsters? What makes a good Wolverine book? So if we could just go around real quick reaction for you, you've actually read a lot of Wolverine. More at <laughs> one point, probably more in Wolverine than you had of X-Men, although that's changed now. What's a good Wolverine book thematically? So I know you're gonna hate it. Wolverine and the X-Men. Where Wolverine okay. teaches teaches kids how to be a proper mutant how to fight and then that's one of the reasons i'm like put him in new mutants well that's like <laughs> the same thing that's why i only i liked superman when he had a kid and everybody's like no that was stupid boring superman like maybe for you but for me i finally found a way to like superman and i hadn't for the whole rest of my natural life and giving him a kid just not just because i'm a dad but because like i i understood something interesting about superman in that moment that i didn't before so maybe wolverine as the old guard quote unquote, uh, works better. Harry, what what makes a Wolverine book viable for you? Well, Freya stole mine. I mean, I my first Wolverine <laughs> comics were Jason Aaron's. You know, I like that progression of the loner becoming the, the person more enmeshed with the community and being more at peace with that, which I'm aware is like an, an ending to that character. So I get why you would, in my eyes, regress to this kind of thing where he's not comfortable being in this bigger society and this bigger group and is worried about that. Uh, so, so... I don't know what the right move is here, but I'm pretty sure it's not this. I I get the need to want to have a more classic kind of Wolverine. I understand the impulse for that, but especially compared to all the much fresher feeling X-Books right now, Mm -hmm. this is just like the sore thumb book. I I think... I think just embracing more the fact that like he's part of a community now would pay off more rather than just being like, oh, I'm not sure about this. Like every friggin' issue he talks to people in their backyards at 11 o'clock at night. I'm still not over that. Right. <laughs> Tyler, are you going to unite against me by also saying you like Jason Aaron's take on Wolverine? Or are you going to say that some other aspect of Wolverine is your favorite? I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> it's a valid the, answer to say you don't like Wolverine. I yeah. mean, that, you know. The, no, the, the, yeah. the, the thing is this. When you talk about Wolverine and the X-Men, it is a team book. It is not a Wolverine book. That's that's how I look at it. And in that's my right. opinion, Wolverine should never have a solo solo series. Like, what's yeah, exactly. The point? What, exactly. What is the point? And, exactly. and not only do we have one Wolverine series now, we also have Wolverine Black, White, and Blood. And, like, you know, to me, it's like, okay, if we have a reason for putting Wolverine um, on a solo adventure, do it. But I don't need a second X-Force book that does X-Force things poorly. Like, why? I, I mean, it doesn't make sense. It. 
Oh That's my exactly why I am. And I'm, it's interesting because I have a very different favorite take on Wolverine than the rest of you. Mm-hmm. I like Wolverine like at the beginning of his 2003 series by Greg Rucka, which I think at first was under mm-hmm. like a mature or max imprint. Yeah, where he's just like book. bumming I, around. He's like riding a yeah. motorcycle. He's in border yeah. towns, you know. I love that. I liked a ton of the anthology book Savage Wolverine in um, 2013 from Marvel Now. And thinking back to like old Wolverine, I love the beginning of Hamas Silvestri Wolverine, which is really while well, the X-Men didn't even fully exist and he's kind of yeah. just like tying up loose ends. I like that. To me, a Wolverine solo title should be Wolverine tying up a bunch of loose ends. Now, I'll put a caveat on that. That's when Wolverine is so oppressively used in other titles that you almost need that gasp of fresh air of him doing something differently. He's ultimately not really being all that overused right now in the X-Men titles. So I can forgive this being a little bit closer to X-Men, but if you're asking me why I show up for Wolverine's solo book, I want to see him out on the frontier of something. And then maybe it's fun when one X-Men drops by. You know, like Storm drops in because Mm -hmm. he's fighting elephant poachers and you're like, ooh, Storm. Like that's (laughs) what makes me excited about Wolverine comics. So we'd love to hear from you. What actually excites you about a Wolverine comic? Does this Wolverine comic excite you? That is a perfectly valid opinion to have and we would welcome hearing about why. For New Mutants number 16, I want to go around and have a lightning round. There's so much to talk about in this issue. So please resist getting specific about certain plot threads and just give a reaction because there's a lot. Tyler, let's begin with you. I mean, I love that there is so much happening in this issue since Ayala took over. So both Ayala and Williams are channeling um, Claremont yeah. with like multiple stories happening at the same time and developing at different pace. Um, I love the number of characters from other books appearing in this, making it feel a lot more um, immersive in this particular era. And then while the individual storylines are not equally engaging, I find that the characters' voices feels really on point here. And um, the art may not be as pretty as Reese's um, space arc with, um, with Hickman, but Considering the sheer number of characters that he actually cramped in and the different environments that he has to draw in this issue, I mean, it is really, really impressive. I give it like a 4.25 actualization essence out of 5. <laughs> Harry. <laughs> All right. So this book is often very good and I enjoy it quite a bit. And I love looking at it because I think the art's incredible. And I know that... It's, it is, I think Ayala is very good at juggling a lot of things. My opinion is that this is the issue where there's just a little bit too much. And I found myself near the end being like, okay, there's another thing. And it feels like just a little bit tacked on and I'm not invested in this. And this issue introduces a whole other plot line in a whole other world. That's another whole friggin' thing. And I was just... I kind of felt tired reading it, uh, which is not the feeling you want. Um, I still, but the voices are on point and it is mostly interesting, but I do feel like uh, they bit off a bit more than they could chew, like a little bit. So I would give it 3.9 uh, lovely little rabbit people out of five. <laughs> Buddy, <laughs> I'm glad I got should, that one. <laughs> yeah, should we kick Terry off? Because uh, I gotta go. Years, like <laughs> well, we don't. We, we, we don't know where he no, falls no, in no, the no. range yet. We don't even yeah. know. Why? He's a three point nine. Yeah, for real. What, what was your reaction? Your reaction is uh, give no. Harry the boot. 
Yeah, yeah, Harry the Harry, that's yeah, his reaction. Yeah, like you know, I mean, it, it, you have a red enough Claremont and it shows, you know. And I'm saying, Whoa. now I'm a card character. Free is slamming the gate closed. Yeah, now uh, yeah, gate, gate closed. Right? Oh, like man. now that oh, I'm yeah, now, now that you've read Claremont, like anyone yeah, exactly. who has it gets voted like, off the mm, island. Excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> no resurrection for you, sir. Yeah, uh, no, whatever. I mean, you know, it's it's uh, like you know, now that um, I have read like a whole bunch of New Mutants since the last. Since Jan- December, so now I'm a New Mutant stan, and this kind of very much falls in line with how New Mutants story goes. There's like so much going on, multiple storylines happening at the same time. It's so much more satisfactory to read it, read it all in one go, and kind of, you know, not like it feels like a lot when you're reading on your own. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's I I really loved like enjoyed it. There's a lot going on. Um, However, I have some things to say about art, which I shall reserve for later. But um, otherwise, to me, it was a um, 4.8 out of 5. Oh, dang. I nope. think this was real close to perfection in an X-Men comic book. It's It really, really feels like that classic kind of super, super compressed story that we got from a certain, not just all of Claremont's years, but a very certain period. And I like that. And I can understand that there are some readers who are not from that vintage or who are bored of that vintage and have moved on to the current vintage where this just feels like a lot. But the reason it works for me is because it's all of those things and the voices and the connections to the other plots. It's it's forward moving. It doesn't feel like we're going down any of these little paths and like hitting a dead end. Like, okay, well, there's like something dumb that we could have left out of the issue. I wouldn't mm-hmm. know what to cut from this issue. Does it maybe to Harry's point have like one plot too many? Yes, maybe it does. But I don't know that I would be able to cut out any one of those plots and still get all the things that I wanted to get. And the final thing I'll say there before we go into the more general discussion is I New Mutants has always worked well as a big cast book. I think if you try to get it down to like three or four New Mutants, you're not fulfilling the bill of New Mutants. But the mistake is trying to make New Mutants a book where they're all walking around together and doing stuff. It is not that kind of team book and it has never worked as that kind of team book. It's a book where they're scattered. Some of them are distrusting the other because it's about like the growth and the change that you you go through and how your feelings about people change as you grow. And I just think that like that's what's so energizing to me about Vida Ayala's run right now is that it just has that. And I feel like if a New Mutants run doesn't have that, I get very bored very quickly. So I'm I mean I'm I'm ready to be the number one cheerleader at the top of the cheerleading pyramid for this issue. And it feels good to be able to say that about Vita Alila because I like when writers also grow and change. And I've read a ton of their work and I haven't loved it and I love this. And that's to me fan- exciting. It's as exciting as comics get for me. All right, I, that was a kind of a diatribe. Sorry. Freeha, <clears throat> Freeha, just look me in the eyes when you kill me and p- kick me off the island. That's all I yeah. ask. I will. No, and, and have you noticed that, you know, I kind of called back a previous in- issue plot thread from our X-Men talk? Like, you know, this yeah. is, yeah, I'm turning into, oh my God, I'm turning into Claremont. <laughs> I think you're turning into Apocalypse and you're trying to make Harry do the Crucible. Okay, so yeah. there's, a whole, there's a whole lot of plot here. Let's start out with the plot that kind of bookends the issue, which is sneaking out of the Krakoa to the lighthouse to Otherworld to deeper into Otherworld, right? So there's a number of young mutants who are just doing their teenage thing, they're sowing their oats, and they sneak into Otherworld to be encountered um, by a very horrific-looking Jamie Braddock. Rice really not <laughs> really scary there. looking. It is real scary. <laughs> uh, and two of them flee back to Krakow, but one of them continues on their adventures. And eventually, um, it's time to retrieve that mutant. And for reasons 
ones that are plot driven, it's Danny and Karma who go with no one else into mm -hmm. the depths of Otherworld where one could die and never come back the same uh, to retrieve this errant young mutant. Tyler, what are you thinking about this otherworldly plot? I mean, I, I, I'm actually surprised that the other world stuff is being explored in yeah, New Mutants I, instead I of Excalibur. Yeah, I was shocked. Totally yeah. shocked. I mean, I, 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 love, I love several aspects of it, right? I think the first thing was just the randomness of, of the whole thing. The guy was just, I mean, the, 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 the kid was just um, running there to take a shelf, selfie and then and then and then one of them starts riding around uh, on a dinosaur <laughs> in different <laughs> worlds and, and 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 making friends with like the with, with um Sh Sharif um uh, white chapel and and it's like it, it's really weird and it's really um nonsensical but it's also quite fun in a way um and then you have like you know and then and then that brings to me, I think, um, one of the best and in some ways the worst page in this book. That that splash page of, of Kama and um and, and, and Danny riding the horse with you know um le okay, let me specify why I think it's the best and the worst. The best I page think it took me as long to read that page as like a whole <laughs> issue of Pikmin yes. X-Men. That yeah. is a lot. I spent a long time reading that page. I know. I mean, there's a lot packed into the page. I love the words. I love, I love the bonding. And I love the fact that Danny could be Danny. Danny doesn't have to be the leader of the group. Danny doesn't have to be the big sister. She could be angry here. She could be frustrated here with Kama because they are kind of like the same age. Mm -hmm. and they're they the have, oldest of the original yeah. Newmans, and then cannibal just a little bit younger. Yeah, yeah exactly and like she doesn't feel like she has to be you know the one the 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 the, the stoic one or, or the one that 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 grounds everything so here she can be frustrated she can show her emotion to um to kama freely the thing that i really hate about that page is the placement of the word balloons cover up some of the beautiful paintings by reese and and one of them right like, over a face. Exactly. <laughs> I, I feel like you don't even have to do that. Like that block of words that cover that face. Why yeah. do you need that words? I mean, you don't need that. And and some of the word balloons like cover certain things, which I thought like, well, there is this random mountain there. Why don't you just move the word balloon down to cover the mountains? Like, why is it covering a drawing? Like, it doesn't make sense to me. And, and that's why I think it's really bad. In Harry, sense. what did you think about the other world plot? Is this the one you would cut? Now uh, I'm in suspense. You've set up a wonderful... <laughs> no. Don't reveal it until we get there. Would no, you have cut not... this one? Okay. Well, now that we're talking about it, um, I felt it with our last Excalibur discussion, and now I'm just going to vocalize it. I, I'm tired of Otherworld. I'm, I'm done. Like, we just had a massive-ass crossover about it. We're having it in other books now. I, like, I'm, if, if we're going to, every book's going to go here now because, like, ooh, you can actually die here, and that's how they get around, like, the lack of stakes of the resurrection. Yeah, that I'm would just, be dumb. I'm sick of it. I'm tired. I don't, I don't. It, it, I want to be clear, though, you know, but to be nice, this is the be best looking part of the book. I think, you know, Jamie at the beginning, that's a breathtakingly freaky depiction of him. And then as we're all going to say, I'm sure that splash that we Tower just talked about is jaw dropping. Uh, I didn't, you know, I wasn't as bothered by the, the, the word balloons, but I turned the page. I was like, I like gasped. I was like, oh, OK, this is awesome. 
But I'm just, I, I, on, on a base, very basic level, I, I don't care about Otherworld anymore, and I'd like us to stop doing it. Um, and uh, the other plot lines weren't exactly doing it for me either, so we'll, we'll get to that too. Hmm. Freya, what did you think about our trip, our return to Otherworld? So this actually makes perfect sense that why we need to close that damn gate because <laughs> kids are going Sorry. kids are going in there uh, as a as a dare and it's perfectly in line to be honest. This is what kids will do if mm-hmm. they find out this is one place they can go and take risks. This is what they're going to do and I'm glad that finally we're seeing that. Um, I would do it day one if I was in high school on Krakoa. I would be there like the day one that gate was open. Are you kidding me? Like they're daring you not to go. You're going to go. You're going to go. And this is exactly what it is. And there's also such a like very cool callback about Magma. Sorry, not Magma. Sorry, Karma and uh, Danny going to look for the mutants from the callback to back to the school. uh, New X-Men back to the school. Because that's exactly what two of them Mm -hmm. were doing. They were the one who were going and bringing back mutants. So this was a callback to that as well. So that I absolutely like. And then for the art, it's fine. It's, there's a lot of great art. But I cannot believe this particular storyline has two penises in it. The Krako, like the uh, Excalibur house. Just look at it. Oh, it yeah, that one I think too. Okay. It, but what was the it other looks one? like uh, yeah. it was twice. <laughs> It happened twice. Yeah, the lighthouse twice, and both time it looks like freaking penises, and I'm like like, that Little Mermaid thing. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like ew, (laughs) like gross. I mean, just look at them, you guys. I cannot unsee it, and the whole time. At the whole time, I mean, I know the last time Peter was talking about that faces not being completed and I was looking for that, how many faces are not being completed because now that's something that Peter put in my head and I have to look yeah. for it. But at the yeah. same time, I was looking at this like, like, ah, it's like, like it's just like penis with multiple balls underneath this. Oh. This issue is No, I mean, I know, I know you guys are like, I mean, it just, it didn't matter. After that, seeing that, the rest of the art didn't matter to me because I'm like, no, no, absolutely no. We cannot have this crap one mutants live in penises, people. Like, what? Like, no. X-Factor has bonier than Excalibur has penises? Like, ugh. I said the word penis too much. Please did, save me, Peter. Okay. You did. Look, I, uh, wow. So here's the thing with this other, other world plot. Like, I, I think it's playing with this idea of teenagers kind of testing their own mortality right it's when you want to change up your identity it's when you want to take risks you know your brain is not fully formed so some (laughs) of your decisions are not the best decisions as harry could show to us with with probably some more stories uh and uh and i think it tracks right i think it drives home something from another book which is like this gate is a problem we we said at the time who would even go through there ha 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 but like here's the answer so i think that that really works um, I kind of raised my eyebrow a little bit at Danny and Karma going in without anybody else going with them and Danny kind of being like, I'm a tracker. Yeah, but like, are you the two most defended people? Like, you don't want to bring Warpath? Really? Re- like, yeah. really? What is he? He's not even in this issue. Like, where is he? Um, except for in his journal entry. And then to the lack of faces thing, I like it when it's artistic. I don't like it when it's just on a cl- crowded panel and it feels like the panel's unfinished. But like in this double page spread, there's towards the edges of it, um, the characters are less drawn. And on one side, we have Karma just in pen and ink. And on the other side, like there's barely a 
face mm. sketched onto either of them. Mm. And to me, that works because we're spending time with two characters here. We clearly have a sense of who they are and what they look like and what Rice's version of them looks like. And I think in and they're and it's showing them from all different areas in space. And I think then you can use that artistic shorthand and it's stylistic. As opposed to on a page where there's a bunch of bald-headed teenage mutant boys of about the same size and shape and you can't tell them apart unless their faces are drawn in and you're not sure which one is Anal. To me, those are like two different circumstances um, of, of the no faces phenomena. And so we end this out uh, other world plot with Danny and, and Karma are taken captive, although they theoretically could probably break out easily in Merlin's yeah. dark part of the Fae, but they're kind of just letting it play out. Meanwhile, this runaway mutant is just still running away and doing whatever. Having <laughs> a great time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's about to go to Sevalith. Sevalith, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, the vampire place. Like, so, you know, so he... But oh, the thing I also no no I was also gonna say that the, the Bra Jamie Braddock fate that was just he was just projecting that just to freak the mutants out right I mean <laughs> yeah, yeah. he does, he he doesn't you know we know that he doesn't look like that he's just projecting himself like that it's like ah I just had a good fun here you go here's yeah. a dragon go well and we also know we also know the reason why he's dressed so royally now because the gate changes him when you pass through it because when Danny and Kama pass through the gate. They were they were they were wearing like you know D and D gobs like huh. literally yeah. like you know like Kama <laughs> has that thing on her head, which is consistent <laughs> with the one Excalibur went through too. It's just fun. This is the book to book kind of stuff I like. Yeah, the little stuff that doesn't like make you have had to have read the other book, but if you read it, it'll let you in a little bit yeah. deeper. But and, look, and so, sorry, oh, go ahead. I, I know you're trying to rush on, but I got I have one question. Why do you think um, Jamie? you know, um, basically made that the two things, the candles and the potion. So the actualization essence and the candle of revelation in the basket. That just being a jerk. Here's a gift bag. Get I think it's just like having his Alice in Wonderland fantasy, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and it's, yeah, and it's also like other world MLM, like you know, multi-level marketing of selling crap. That's what it is. It means nothing, but yeah. Well. It, it, it is priced, right? Because that's what the data page says. Because the crooked market wants to buy them. Um, that's because they, the king is selling them. <laughs> <laughs> I also will admit, so the, I, not to linger, but yeah. the gift <sighs> that they brought him, was it just a Krakoan flower? No, a, a bagel tree. tree. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was one of the bagel tree. One of the infamous bagel trees. Yeah. Okay. But it was odd. It was, I, I had to, like, guess, assume that. It was, the art wasn't totally clear about that. Yeah, a little, yeah. little murky there. I mean, you could I be would donuts. kill for a bagel tree that can make some American-style bagels <laughs> and plant it in my yard, let me tell you. But we've heard <laughs> the Krakoan bagels are not quite the same. Okay, yeah. so the other half of this plot, really, is that the Shadow King may or may not be influencing everybody. But he certainly is having a more direct influence over a small group of kids. And we see that here. This is the kind of bad kids who wandered away. And um, among them are No Girl, the floating brain, uh, Anol, who's being written as though he's never been written before. I don't understand why. Uh, <laughs> Scout, who seems to have some sense in her head. And a few other kids, including Cosmar, who was the uh, Brazan creation here, who kind of yeah. vividly projects fantastical dreams uh, out in reality. And Shadow King, not necessarily being evil, has the suggestion of like, let's use our powers to swap bodies so those of you who are trying to experience something different can. 
Which actually is interesting because it's, it, mm-hmm. it plays on this theme of kind of therapy and looking at yourself from the outside, which was from Warpath's data page as well. But it does not go super well for these kids um, because of who they are to begin with. You know, Cosmar can feel free. Scout can suddenly feel pain. Uh, Anil's body starts transforming in some weird way that I uh, I don't even know what it was supposed to tell us. Mm-hmm. And so Shadow King kind of snaps his fingers and puts everybody back where they were. And they all kind of think it's cool, but Scout is like... You're playing with life here. And there's this theme in it, and then I'll turn it over to you, starting with Faria. Shadow King Sir Amul says, death no longer limits us, versus Scout saying, your body, your life, it's not cheap or worthless. And I think that this really gets to the center of this whole, um, the malaise of youth that we've been seeing in this Vida Ayla run, which is that kids can't figure out if death no longer limits them or or if their life has value. I, I really think it got to the heart of it. But let's hear what everybody says. Faria. No, I was actually very much shocked and also loved it that it came from Scout because, you know, we have seen her grow up from her, you know, putting severed fingers in people's pocket to now talking about death and everything. Um, but the thing is, it also makes sense that it comes from uh, Wolverine because she doesn't she does even before the resurrection protocol she has set healing power she doesn't need to need to worry about death as much as everyone else but even but for her she had all these thoughts and everything that she's been thinking about maybe potentially because of the the group that she's in and you know she's kind of talking about it and it also kind of shows like what i've been kind of screaming about every time something oh x-men can die anymore what's dick because death is not the finality it's not the ultimate thing worst thing that can happen to you there's so many other things but then at the same time one of the youngest mutant also have the same thought as one of the oldest mutant apocalypse when he said to richter don't let go of your body or don't like you know he came up with the whole idea of crucible and everything um because it's your body is sacred and all of that and it's come kind of even though we didn't see two of them interact but they're also kind of same thing saying the same thing so which is important and i'm glad that scout said it and i was also surprised that wow our girl has come so far <laughs> Harry, were you also a proud mutant parent here, or did you have some other thoughts? I enjoyed this. I think this is all really interesting stuff, where what happens when a lack of death, how does that affect a, a young mind, and how how seriously do you look at that, and how do you seriously do you look at your own body and like kind of that kind of importance or lack thereof? Um, I'm going to be honest, though. While reading it, uh, I just was mostly kind of tired and annoyed by the lack of it felt like momentum of this plot where this is like the third straight issue of like this plot exploring interesting ideas in the woods and then they just leave the woods. Mm. Um, this needs to go somewhere, please. And I, I think in this, what you can say is it pushed Scout along and got her to a new place mentally, which is good. But like, this is the third straight issue of them just kind of like, raising interesting questions which is great which to be clear much better than other books that we may we might just earlier discuss to be clear but it does feel like a little bit of wheel spinning and i i just want them to get to something here i mean we 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 did we did discover that like um in this case when the bodies were swapped the bodies started they they started dying yeah so that's one thing which i think um maybe no one has thought about and 
maybe could only be solved by the five because they have a reality mm. warper there that basically changes the thing. And then um, the other thing I thought was quite interesting was that um, was um, I mean not interesting but like was consistent. It's like Farouk is basically manipulating the kids, saying that oh you 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 shouldn't judge Scout, and then. The next line, calling her selfish. So, <laughs> yes. so in selfish. a way, you know, it's, it's very subtle because you know maybe the kids were more impressionable. So she's like, oh, you shouldn't, you know, like like a kind person. It's like, oh, you shouldn't be doing this. You know, she's she's just selfish. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, but but I mean, I thought it was interesting. Um, way of exploring certain things, certain themes that we kind of think that will be coming up. Like you know the um the 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 chimeras are are something that we have seen before in Rasputin and Cardinals. So so these are things which um you know we we are get we are we are probably like at step one or two of of this whole journey of 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 the chimeras. So so I thought that was interesting. It in definitely feels like step one or two. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> I mean, I have to say, you know, I enjoyed the scene. I think more than I have the scenes with Farouk in the past couple of issues because it felt less, like less of a tease and more of actually something happened. Like there was, there's mm-hmm. conflict, right? And I feel like the scenes in the last few issues with him haven't really had conflict. But now that I hear Harry talk about it the way that he is, I am kind of saying like, where's the there there? Like, what did we get from this really? I think we got Scout kind of saying something she kind of already knew and we've already heard from her. And we also... Um, you know, get this body switching decay death thing, which certainly is a tickler of something. I mean, Shadow King's whole jam is that he frequently inhabits other people's bodies. You know, famously, they thought Karma was dead for a really long time and she was inhabited by the Shadow King and he t- kind of took her on a <laughs> world tour. Um, yeah, spoilers! I told you it's an all spoilers program. So I, I, I kind of understand, and I think the last note I had in this was that whole selfish or right, why not both? You know, I think that not only in this comic book, but in the world, sometimes we like to pretend that just because somebody is doing something that's good for them, that they're being selfish, that they can't be right. And it's like, oh, well, they would be, it would be better if they weren't being selfish. Like, no, not only are selfish things often good for you, like that's what selfish is, right? Um, it's not like you're just being selfish despite other people. You're doing selfish to, to better yourself. But sometimes you can be right and be selfish. And I think that th- in this, uh, I was like very like, why not both? Because I think she is being <laughs> selfish, and I think she's also right. But then I to agree. the point of like you know the story progression, it is a good progression though. Because first we saw we just got one page of him. Then the second time we saw them that he tried to implement the idea of oh you should go to the crucible, and now that failed. Now he's trying to manipulate them with their power. But this mm. also tells us the story that. They're, these kids have no supervision. They're not supervised. Like, you know, they, it's, it, and that's something that is a, it's a problem. It's, a pro, it's a really a problem for the mutant future and everything because everyone is just like, you know, Danny and Ka- Karma just ran off to find one kid. I mean, they, there's no supervision over here, and that's a problem. Put Oberyn in charge of that. <laughs> in conclusion. No, I mean, talking about, talking about Crystal, right? <laughs> I would think that no girl would be like the right person to do a crucible because she didn't lose her body. Like Sublime was the one who basically, you know, took her brain out and and destroy her body, I think, or something like that. Well, and also so, somebody in the crucible, somebody's just going to crack that little bulb like an egg and she's done. Like it's not going to be a long fight. Yeah. <laughs> so she's like, 
So and 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 I think if anyone deserves to get a body back, she should be the one who gets a body back. But she doesn't. But then we go back to what Danny said to Cosma, our last issue, yeah. which is like the Crucible is specifically for people who have lost their mutant powers. It is not right. to make alterations to your physical form. But then we have no girl who yeah. has no physical form. Like where you know, I think this brings up well, interesting ethical she... questions. Like, is it ethical to let them uh, let Cosmar go through the Crucible? And no, not necessarily because she has to accept who she is. Mm. Should should the floating brain have to accept who she is like that's a very different state of affairs to apply this standard of ethics to yeah but then the my i mean my argument would be like for no girl she she didn't i mean it's not her power that makes her her body disappear right it was more like someone did something to her body right against her will but, yeah so yeah. i think it's, it's there's a bit of difference in that sense yeah Maybe but maybe you can go to like Cyclops say, like, oh, Cyclops says he wants to control his eye, his optic blast, and they're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Why should you have that? <laughs> <laughs> but but the thing is, also like, no, pro probably she doesn't want it. She's probably scared. Maybe she's just so used to this life, and she's just scared to go back. Maybe that's mm. the thing. Because you know, I don't think if she goes to goes up to like, hey, I want to be part of a good course, but everyone's like, be right ahead, step right in. You look weird. <laughs> We're all freaked out by you. Step right in. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so, you know. Well, well, but over here, it did show that she likes, she's like, oh, I have a body. You know, she jumped. Mm -hmm. they, maybe they now she knows. Maybe she, now yeah. she got the idea. So maybe it's coming up. Maybe. Yeah. Well, look, there's a number of smaller plots interspersed here, and I don't know that we need to go to that depth in them, but I'm going to pull them out, and whatever you want to react to in them, you mm -hmm. can. So the one kind of that takes up the most space here, and one of them is the one that Harry wants to secretly cut. We'll finally find out. Yeah, that's uh, a funny Stay tuned. One. So one of them is Rain's son, Tyr. She has a conversation with X-Factor, like, bring back my son. And X-Factor's like, well, we would, but he seems to still be being backed up. In some way, he hasn't died in another world, but he's something's happening with his consciousness, so we can't confirm his death, which is huge news and sends her into a spiral. There's also magic teaching bullies a lesson, which kind of just got dropped last issue. We're like, whatever yeah. happened with that? So it gets delivered here. And I think it's interesting because is she doing good work here or is she being cruel in, in being influenced by the Shadow King? Or again, can can you be doing good and be being cruel at the same time? It's kind of the flip side of the selfishness question, right? And then finally, we have a data page that, as we demand, we want more interesting data pages, we have said. <laughs> and here we have Warpath uh, answering the questions <laughs> that Danny asked him two uh, issues ago in a very kind of Dax the Destroyer from the um, from Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy it. movie. Wait, <laughs> knock over my head, I would catch it. Uh, he takes it very literally, but then, and I think a wonderful turn of humor, realizes from the further questions, he's like, perhaps you did not mean for me to take this literally. I will do my best yeah. to re-answer those questions now. <laughs> like, that very, you're in high school taking the blue book test and you already filled out a page and you're like, now I need to make this essay say something different, but I don't want to go back and scratch out that page so how will i bend it around to all go together so let's start with harry he never gets to go first uh harry which one of these was the plot that you were going to cut and why the rain plot yeah um, <gasps> as, as someone okay no get him up. okay get him out there like <laughs> as someone who doesn't have really any connection with this character so i don't have half the emotions freeha clearly has i will not i will not apologize for that i should enjoy the book on its own that's what something I'm buying this amount of money for should get me, in theory. Um, yeah, she found out that the kid might be alive. They don't know. And then she cried. And um, cool. 
I don't, that's really all I got. I just, it felt, it just, it felt like very glacially paced. It felt like something mm -hmm. that didn't get a lot of attention. Um, it just felt like, like a, we don't know, tune in next week. And then she missed out on Danny and was sad. And uh, again, it just didn't do a lot for me. Um, I don't want to be reductive. I don't mean to, you know, take away if you guys loved it, but um, it just felt like another thing that they've added on top of introducing a whole other other world thing. And then the freak stuff, which isn't moving. And I'm just like, now we've got a bunch of stuff and not all of it's really moving beyond it a very slow progression and i don't want to make it sound like i have a ter terrible attention span even though i don't uh but like i i just want something more from this guys i'm sorry i don't well, want to i will say crash. that i i liked the scene with iboy and was a prodigy mm -hmm. too talking about mm -hmm. it but i don't know that we need to spend so long on her finding danny's letter like we have data pages there's that a was, lot I, of that now now i don't generally like when people do the whole nar broken up narration of somebody reading something over action like that pisses mm -hmm. me off always like even in the bronze age but especially now that you have the data page where you can deliver a whole page of like well laid out text to do that kind of thing, I think it is unforgivable to have used a page of story on that. That was, when I said this issue was almost perfect, perfect, perfection, perfect. that was what was holding me back because I, I feel like yeah. it just lingered a little too long. Tyler, what did you think? Of these three I plots, mean, you don't have to talk about the rain plot. Magic, I mean, the rain, Warpath, rain, I, I, what do you want to dig into? I mean, I only have one one, one, one small comment on the rain uh, plot is that I, I, I really hope that we don't go the route of poor, weak, Weeping Uzbane's route because I think she's past that. She's like really she, sad she has grown, this. she has grown beyond that. So I don't want her to regress back into that. Oh, I'm so sad. I'm so, like do something, right? Mm. I mean, she, I think she's she's older now. She should be able to do something. Um, I find that the magic confronting the bully part was kind of an odd placement here. Because last issue she says that she, I'm going to figure out. I'm going to go confront them. Like she knows who they are. And then we had the scene at Doug's wedding. And this supposedly took place after that wedding. So it's like, oh, she went to find out, but she didn't find out enough. And then she took a break. And then she find them again the next morning. Like it 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 felt um off in terms of the uh the pacing and, mm. and the placement of, of of where this occurred. Like I thought maybe it would have been better if let's say, you know, it started off with like these group of older kids helping rebuild the 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 burnt down treehouse and and then as a flashback or as a caption saying that oh yeah, magic confronted them regarding, you know, in 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 a certain in a different narrative way. Um, and you know, I I'll leave the Warpath thing to Furia. I think she has a lot to say about that. <laughs> well, I think she has a lot to say about Rain, if I'm guessing. So, Furia, yes. what do yeah. you want to dig into in those three? So, the thing is, like, we talked the whole last issue about um, economy of women suffering, and I feel like this is kind of a good thing that we're seeing an end of it in a way that she may find her child and mm. that her child is alive and then it's like there is something going on with her. I agree with Tyler, I really don't want to see crying Wolfbane again because last issue I got really upset that it was jo Elixir or Josh, what's his name, um, who wrote the thing, it's like, oh, we're not doing anything further, we can't bring her back because knowing yeah. their history, it's really infuriating that, you know, he said that, but now I'm glad that the X Factor are onto the case and they're actually mm. working with her. So I think the story will come to an end and she will be reunited with her child and something that I want for her to happen because for two, like she, like it's just this whole nonsensical 
female superhero suffering because of pregnancy and lost child. I hate that. I want it to end. And this is a way to end on that. Um, but the magic one, I kind of liked it, uh, but I didn't have too much, you know, too much opinion because, you know, whatever she got. But the thing that I did like that the bully came and gave like a Jean Grey plushie to a little <laughs> kid. That was super cute. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, here you go, child. I destroyed the house, but here's the, here's a plushie. Um, the Warpath thing was like, was very funny because it was just like, as I was writing it, I'm like, oh, he's just being, he's taking the piss out of Danny, you know, and then, then I'm like, oh no, he's actually didn't get it. <laughs> but the thing is like, the answer is like, oh, where do you see yourself? Um, in a reflection, sometimes in photographs. Like, yeah, but, but like it, was, it was funny. He's actually, he actually look at his own photograph and it's like, oh yeah, this is how I look like. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I don't know much about war, but is he a little dim like that? Like, no, is that literal? General? Is he literal like that? I mean, he's not. Um, he's not introspective. You know, uh, okay. So <laughs> I don't that think he's sense. he's not dumb by any means. He's just yeah. a very pragmatic ca- character who's also very connected to the world. And I really liked how that kind of turned around to like he almost made the question about your connection to the world. He's like, why would I introspect about myself so much? Like, I'm just one person who's part of this land of Krakoa. Like, what's so important about my introspection? I'm like, ah, that is a very clever way to write that character that I don't think most authors would have picked up on. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Because, you know, I was like, well, is he... Like, I mean, that's one of the things I couldn't figure out. Like, is he, like, you know, doesn't understand things? And that's why he... That was his reaction? Or he was like... Oh well, you know, I just see myself in a reflection. You know. No, the two <laughs> like, the two himbo new mutants are Cannonball and Sunspot, and they're not around. <laughs> I I think you've said almost all there is to be said said about these three plots. The only thing is with Tear and Rain, it's like Rain's so young, and I think just with her whole kind of self hatred, as you know, due to her Catholicism and think being brought up to think she's a demon. I was mm-hmm. never a fan of then layering on a pregnancy plot on top of that where she slept with a god because mm-hmm. North Norse mythology, et cetera, et cetera. Like it what it's very North Norse mythology, right? Like it's very also very like Zeus as a swan. Greek. I mean it's yeah. just mm-hmm. all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um but I kind of was just relieved that maybe we were gonna find some version of Rain that was not like the, you know, nineteen year old mother of a an immortal grown son. Uh, so I'm like, I, I enjoy from a plot perspective that they're following the thread, but I'm also like, really? Is this what, is really what we, did we get Rain back to do this? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm kind of torn. Like, I'm hoping we'll get something good out of it, but I kind of just feel like I would rather just wipe her off the board right now. I'm so much more <laughs> interested in what's happening with the other characters. Uh, so we'll see. So, wow. That was, it was just a lot. It was super, super dense. Yeah. And I guess the thing that I'll, say for my final round, and you can say anything y'all want, is I think the Warpath page is actually indicative of the whole issue. These are all people engaging in forms of therapy, right? Magic is asking the kids to do forms of service for an atonement to think about the thing that they destroyed. Um, you know, Sh- Shadow King is literally saying, see it through somebody else's eyes. Danny and Karma are going off on kind of on their own kind of introspective trip. Not to mention that, you know, Karma was abandoned in the past. And so Danny is like, no, I, you're, she's like, we're going to go together and work through these feelings together. And then you have the literal therapy that Warpath is undergoing. And it's kind of just like a whole book about different approaches to therapy and, and self-actualization, which I think is actually really interesting thematically without anybody hitting you over the head with a mallet going this is what this theme is <laughs> it's really there in all of the stories but that's my final comment any other final comments from the crowd on this one 
I just feel that um, it kind of clicked in place reading this, but uh, you know, this is a book that's juggling a lot and I think um, it's doing most of it pretty well. I think this is the most clunky issue for me, but you know, especially comparing this to let's say uh, X factor, which I think is a book juggling several plots Mm. extraordinarily well that stuff like this. It just, I think this book has very well established that the kids are not all right on crack home. (laughs) I get it. I get it. I get what you're saying. The kids are not in a good place. We got to keep it moving, please. I guess other worlds where we're going. So can't wait. (laughs) X-Men 18. It's new. It's the return of our uh, X-Men in the vault. And I want to go around and have our lightning round of reactions as we like to begin with. Tyler, what did you think of this one? I mean, the the children of the vault is one of the more interesting things that were introduced in the Dark's era. And um, I, I I, I mean, I was really looking forward to this issue. Um, in some ways, it exceeded my expectations. In other ways, it fell, it sort of fell short. So um, I give it 3.5 pots out of 5. Harry? All right, so this is a weirdly complicated issue for me because on one hand, I think compared to the last two issues, this issue is much better. There is a voice, there are fun moments, there are good action scenes. Uh, I, the last two issues were kind of trash in a lot of ways to me. But on the other hand, this is a shockingly slow issue considering how much we've been waiting for this plotline to continue. Now, I, I don't want to predict what the next issue is going to be. I am hoping that this was a more decompressed issue that is getting attached to these three characters before next issue's fireworks show. Now, now that's me being optimistic. I don't know if that's what's going to happen, but I would give this issue 3.5 Weird Vault Kids out of 5. They're not kids, but whatever. (laughs) Fariha. Oh, Hickman really makes it difficult for me to claim him as my soulmate. I mean, yeah, this one's been tough. So so this issue has two pages that were Mm -hmm. data pages in X Men Five, and now Mm -hmm. we're getting it as pages over here. Talk about wasted space. I Mm -hmm. mean, now I care about these things because Peter told me to care about. (laughs) <laughs> or he mentioned it and I peer pressure it. yeah yeah peer pressure well it's not I mean you know I'm just peer pressure I, yeah peer pressure <laughs> peter pressure um but I think it's like this it's like every X-Men issue has been it's about introducing an idea and then it's getting explored somewhere else the idea of the issue is every time the mutants are coming back they're coming back more powerful or something is going on which kind of leads you to think what on earth is going on with quentin who has come back so Mm -hmm. many times Mm -hmm. um and the thing is like the synth is a synth right synth you know i don't have anything more up like i don't know anything about this character but it seems like the fact that now he can replicate power of other people is like it's super interesting, but it also kind of shows that, okay, why could he just only do mutant or like, you know, so there's like a lot more questions being that. But the thing is the fact that it's like, we've been waiting all this time for whatever should happen involved. And that's just to have like a one day one fight scene. But like, <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah. It's, it's still they, not what you're expecting. Yeah. That's the, that's the thing, right? They were in there for 537 years yes, and some and, change. And some change. And now we're in day one. 
Like, you yeah, know, yeah. I was like, yeah. oh, come on. I was expecting to be like, you know, much movement. Like, you know, we're going for day one, day like year 200 and something, something like that. Peter, what about you? What's your like lightning round type, type of thoughts? I, I think that this was modestly successful. I think Children of the Vault, who I'll do a little mini explainer on after mm -hmm. this for people who don't know, I think they're a very Hickman kind of thing. I think Hickman's going to use them very well and is using them well here. Uh, I just think that there's no way that this issue could have stood up to the setup of it, and I and and it failed for that reason. Like, where we left this in X-Men 5 was already in the future of Cyclops saying it's been, as Tyler yeah. just said, 537 yeah. years. You know, what have I done? And I just think that the scale of it was a little too slow, it was a little too small. When I got mm -hmm. to the end of the issue, I literally went back and counted the pages to be like, what, could that have yeah. really been 20 story <laughs> pages? Which, incidentally, was the same thing I did when I read X-Men issue 5. I was like, was that really a whole issue yeah and so a lot of people liked that issue i'm sure a lot of people like this one and i'm just like this is i would rather have the overstuffed issue that maybe new mutants was this week where maybe it falls a little bit by overstuffing than it, this issue which didn't even feel like 20 pages of story that said hickman does get some really interesting concepts across he mm -hmm. makes me really yeah. fall in love again with sink and darwin in a way that i had forgotten yeah. about over the years so i think it accomplishes a lot i just think that it was it needed to move a little bit more quickly and get a little bit farther not just as an issue of a comic but because of the way that he set it up yeah it's I really mean, the will... next issue is about them too so yeah right it's one of it's one of the rare two issue blocks we had a yeah. two issue block for the brood we had a two issue block for um empire this is only the third time outside of x of swords yeah. that we're getting a two issue block in x-men rather than just See. one mm-hmm but I would say, though, do not, under any circumstances, read X-Men 5 and this back-to-back. -back. It <laughs> I will did. make you mad. It was it a little annoying. It will make you mad. No, I actually... That's my whole point. Well, that's what made I actually did what you, what you said not to do. But, <laughs> um, but, okay, even before that, I know I like to hop on editorial mistakes, and some Hit of it. them are pretty minor and nitpicky, but... I think it is very disrespectful to your creators if you forget to change the name on the freaking front cover. Yeah, it's the comicsology version of this went out. I have I don't do physical comics, but the comicsology yeah. one went out with the credits from last issue on the cover. Which was like, the credits from this <laughs> come on. Booth. I was like, yeah. again? Yeah, do again. I get the disclaimer again? I saw that. I saw that and I'm like, oh, we have to do the whole disclaimer uh, again. But then I was like, oh no, it's not. And the yeah. thing is, here's the thing. I couldn't tell the difference. What? <laughs> no, like, that well, surely is a joke. Yeah. No, no, I, mean, I don't no, even no, like Azwar, but Azwar does no, no, not no, look like on. Booth. No, no, first, first page. Okay. I'm talking about the first page. I was, the first, for page or two, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. first yeah. couple of pages. So, then, so, then as I looked around, I'm like, oh, that doesn't yeah. look like well, the 90s no, style. Then I looked not. back, and then I saw that on the on the chat. That you saw that they all had a weird smudge on their chin, and you knew that it was as <laughs> wrong. Exactly. Yeah. I yeah. did wonder. To, to quote on, Jamie Braddock this week, do better. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I do want to, I don't know if this is, I don't. I don't want this to sound like I'm making excuses for the book, but I do wonder since we are trained with the series to kind of read them in one issue, like one story installments, that having mm -hmm. an unexpected two-parter might make it feel more slight. I think the book's plenty of slight on its own merits. I just wonder if that might mm -hmm. be a factor as well. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I've been, no, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, it, in some ways, I feel like Hickman is actually really decompress everything in his x-men mm -hmm. like 
when you read his Fantastic Four, when you read his Avengers, oh, yeah. maybe because he's the only writer and he has to get somewhere within a certain time period, his stories are a little bit more. Um, I mean, it's it's, it's more it's it's more concise. Like every yeah. issue has something going on. Um, but here, I mean, at least you know for this issue for X Men Five, like Faria mentioned, it it is really like stretched out. Like I think five and this issue could have been one issue, and it was still. I mean, it worked perfectly because, like Faria said, um, the the first section of this were actually um, repeats yeah, in terms of is, the writing. Yeah, these are data yeah. pages from uh, issue five. Yeah, they're yeah. not. And they're not verbatim the same from issue but five. But well, they were. <laughs> they were almost. They were almost exactly the same, except for one mistake. Which in one clay in X Men Five it says class or and here it says class AI, and then of course we we do get Seraphina's um uh words coming in and there was like added things so it's it's almost like the um what do you call the X of Swords um uh the 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 history of uh the Arakos where you repeat it three times and mm -hmm. each time is slightly different, so um I mean. I'm not a huge fan of it, but in this case, because it's drawn differently and it's sort of um, the, 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 the captions were used slightly differently, um, I can let it pass this time. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm mean, I, I I'm a little bit torn in this case. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, so that's, the, that's, the that's only, my point. The only thing I was going to say though is like either take it out of five or take it out of here. Mm -hmm. Like I take agree. it out of somewhere. Like, don't put the same information and same boring information twice. Like, seriously, to be honest, who cares? Yeah, I think that no, was I the thing for I me. Like, I, I, and it's interesting because mm -hmm. you're saying repeated data pages, but they were kind of like pseudo data pages in five where Serafina was yeah. like in an environment and the data was overlaid onto them. And these pages are much more like standard comic pages, which is why mm -hmm. I just was like, what repeated data pages? But, I guess my position is give us a new perspective or like tell us something it, new. Yes, like exactly. e even in the X of Swords example with X Men Twelve, which many yeah. of us disliked, you can't you you can't deny that it told us something totally new that we couldn't have yes. gotten the first time. And so I just feel like this actually just repeated it, and all we saw was like her physically standing in front of this face, which was more like implied in the other one. So I'm like, yeah. Eh. But let's just talk about Children of the Vault for a second. Back in X Men Five, Cyclops says the Children of the Vault represent the single greatest existential threat to mutantdom. But it really begs the question, like, why is that? And are they really so different than Krakoa? The Children of the Vault could be seen quite clearly as an influence on some of the things that Hickman is doing with Hoxpox and into Krakoa. So they've mm -hmm. only made two prior story appearances. First, both by Mike Carey. First in X-Men 1991, 188 to 193, which is the very beginning of Mike Carey's run before um, Messiah Complex, before the title mm -hmm. turns into Legacy. And then again in Legacy, immediately following Second Coming in Legacy 238 to 241. And the whole idea of the Children of the Vault is that they have this kind of time distorted world. Cyclops even points out back in X-Men 5, it's very similar to the world, home of Phantom X. And uh, they're they're rapidly evolving there because the time is different, but they're evolving with technological aid rather than just with, um, you know, the, ev the evolution of their yeah. genes, which kind of sets them a little bit against the X-Men, especially because, and this is kind of an answer to my own question, but then I'll turn it over to all of you, they're a threat to X-Men because they represent
represent rapid development of technology that is outside of the purview of the X-Men. And even though Cyclops doesn't know Mora's directives here, you know that Mora came back from Life 6 where her whole goal was to learn about AI by saying, like, we have to keep an eye out for certain signposts of technology and its integration with human intent to make sure that we're not in danger and head them off. That's the whole reason they blew up Orcus back in Hawksbox. And... <clears throat> To finish this up, we did see Children of the Vault briefly, this child, Serafina, in X-Men 1, because she had been kidnapped by Orcus, which means mm -hmm. there's this crossover point of, like, did Orcus learn from her? Did she learn from Orcus? And I think that does kind of answer the question of why do they pose such a threat? But you can't help but come back to, like, they pose such a threat because they're like mutants. I mean, they're on yeah. a real damn similar path of evolution, only fed by technology rather than fed by gene evolution. So that is my Children of the Vault explainer, but I guess I want to turn it over to, to the three of you and say, does that work for you? Do you like that plot? Do you think, what are the parallels that you do see? I don't know. Tyler, let's start with you. I mean, um, I, I think it was Professor X who said that they were the, the greatest threat and not Cyclops. But, um, but you know, the, the thing is this, I, I think what Hickman is trying to establish here is that these children of the vaults are post-human aided by technology, which was exactly what happened in Life 6. Right. Mm -hmm. So that is why I think Professor X mentioned that this this is the greatest threat because that is um, that is actually I think the one life that Moira actually got to see the the um, the humans get taken over and the humans and mutants basically get um, get um, supplanted by the post humans and it went so far into the future that. Um, you know, I mean, that they became a relic in in a conservatory, in a museum or something like that. So that's one thing. And and the other thing I think they were, um, they were trying to establish is this. What is happening inside that makes it different? Because I think the, the X-Men have went into the world before and they knew what was happening inside there, but they have never been into the vault. So yeah. I think that's the part which um, kind of was 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 the main um, reason for sending those three in. Um, I mean, that's that's. I mean, these these are the things that I thought work really well in this issue, and the whole. I mean, the thing is that it, it took so long to get there. Yeah, I will say I thought it was Cyclops because um, I've, Professor Xavier is framed out in the, yeah, in the background of that panel. And I, yeah. I, I, when I went back to it, I was like, oh, I guess that's a misplaced word balloon because who else could be speaking? But it's actually Professor yeah. X leaning yeah. in, uh, out of the woodwork, literally. Yeah, uh, it was like Harry, riotous. Sight. So Harry, let me ask, did, have you read those other Children of the Vault stories from Mike Carey's mm -hmm. run? No, I desperately need to read the read the Mike. Well, Harry you shouldn't have series. to, yeah. I guess. But I'm well, really interested in your reaction to this. Kind of just with the hearsay of us talking about them. You know, how's this working for you? I mean, yeah, this is like easily the most interesting thing happening in the X Men main title period. Like, I mean, I don't know these characters, um, but like, obviously, I understood what they were being introduced. I looked them up a little bit after issue one, and this is clearly so. Their existing characters are so in line with. Hickman's ultimate goal here of these figures on different tracks of like progression. So they feel much more essential and intrinsic to this master story he's telling, which is probably why I like this issue. It feels more important in its own way than the mm -hmm. last and X of sorts and all that. Uh, a weird thing for me is just because I haven't read that book as um, I'm, I'm, I'm reading this series, which is introducing, you know, the AI that that's 
for me, I mean, I don't know about y'all, I assume it just seems massively similar to, uh, you know, Evil Reed Richards and Hickman's Ultimate books. And like, I'm just yep. trying to figure out how much of that was already existing in Carrie's book, how much he's bringing to that. Uh, so that's just like a weird place where my mind went. But um, yeah, this feels like this feels like the essential conflict that Hickman's kind of setting up between these two ideological and kind of like, you know, evolutionary factions. So it worked very well for me is what I'm trying oh, to say. Oh, well, that's, that's good. <laughs> Fariha, who also, if I'm not mistaken, has not read that Mike Carey material. No, I have not. But okay. uh, this, I'm going to bring back one of the old uh, backstory from my past, where I keep on talking about uh, 15 Lives of Harry August. Because... <laughs> It's bad. Yes. It's Yeah, I'm going to From make you all read it. Previous publisher. Yeah, I'm going to make you read all of this because that's the central fight in it that humans are exceeding because of technology and they have no control over it. That's why Harry keeps on coming back and trying to stop them. Like, you know, trying to stop this from happening because... Harry keeps I mean, on coming back because I won't let you kick him off the show, Faria. Yeah, Faria. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was good. God help me. But, you know, the funny thing is that Harry... That's why Harry August keeps on coming back because what happens that, you know, Hitler now has Facebook and he was tracking everyone. So it kind of gotten to that point and there was like a whole... Anyway, back... Backing away from that, um, I, even though I didn't read my career, I was actually more interested in seeing is Hickman setting up this post-human as the next level of evolution after mutant. And that's why the same way humans see mutant as a threat, mutants are seeing them as a threat. And then, but the thing is, is that a justified, like, you know, how do you yeah. reconcile that? Because they are pretending, like, definitely set threat to them because they put them in a museum. Um, yeah. But the thing is, <laughs> but the thing is though, how is that any different than the humans seeing mutants as threats and trying to stop them? You know, I mean, I was kind of going more into that level That's of absolutely what I got from it. Yeah. Like, 100, yeah. as I went back and reviewed all of the Children of the Vault stuff, like, they're, okay, they're aggressive right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. It's not like they're, yeah. like, totally passive good guys who the no, X-Men just happen not. upon and, and have a fight with. But mm -hmm. at the same time, like, they're just trying to live their evolutionary life, too, yeah. you know, even if they're a little right. villainous in nature. And it, I but think it really sets you, up that question. Like, this is just another Krakoa. It makes you, I think, look at Krakoa from the outside for a little bit mm -hmm. in a way that a lot of the other titles haven't by giving you something that's so analogous to Krakoa, which doesn't really exist in, in the Marvel Universe other than maybe, like, looking at the Inhumans or the Eternals or whatever. And here's Hickman being like, oh, no, we don't have to, like, go read Kieran Gill Gillen's Eternals. Here's some other group of characters who I actually can... And hold in comparison to Krakoa and make you look at it from the outside. It's such a more dangerous idea than... Yeah, go ahead. No, no I want to no, hear about no, the dangerous sorry. idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's yeah, just like... I wanna, you know, now, now that you said that... Well, just it feels so much more threatening as a concept because we've pretty well established at this point that the, the mutants right now are the you know superior or the the next line uh, comp in line evolutionary compared to humans. Mm -hmm. But this is, you know, this whole series, this, this faction is proposing, you know, you are a future, we are a different future, and that's much more like immediate and feels more dangerous, where it's not just like the typical conflict, it feels like a raising of the stakes in a way. That, that's mm. how I always interpret it. No, I, I was gonna say though, I mean, you know, if you ask some mutants, some humans, they would also say that, yeah, that man just blasted optics from their <laughs> eyes, that's very dangerous, you guys. <laughs> like, you know, so if you think about it 
from that point of view that yes, like the next evolution is always going to look dangerous. Like the same yeah. way boomers are scared of Gen Zs. So, <laughs> you know, like, so there's like, I think it's, it kind of makes sense. And it was like mostly from the evolutionary and all of that. So I think it's super interesting for me to see where this goes. No, but I, th- I thought, I mean, for me, I think is is what my question mark is, who is behind who who are the architects of these children of the vault? Excellent. Right, I because the AI, because but... when you when when you were when you're comparing, say, you know, mutants were the next evolution of humans, and these were the next evolution of mutants. I think, I think that's not how Krakoa or, or Professor X and and, and Moira is viewing them, right? Mm-hmm. Because remember, in in in, in life six, Moira's Moira's experience was this. The humans created the sentinels to as a stopgap to prevent the mutants from taking over so that they can catch up. And the way they are catching up is using technology mm-hmm. to augment themselves so that they become post-humans. Mm-hmm. So they, they leapfrog, they, they basically leapfrog the evolution of, of humans to mutants into directly into post-human using technology. Well, I don't and think thereby superior. rendering the mutants obsolete. So, and that's why that is a threat. But in this case, the children of the vault are, are sort of viewing both humans and mutants as um, an, a threat because they say that, oh, you know, the, the humans with the powers, they are secondary threats. Mm-hmm. The mutants, they are the primary threats. So, so who is behind these children? I think that's the other question that I thought we should I mean, that I hope we should, you know, we will get an answer to. Well, let me take us yet one level deeper, deeper into this in the other main plot, which we've already teased, which is six mm-hmm. rapidly adapting powers as mm-hmm. we learn more about on one of the data pages. So in XN5, the data page theorizes that the five were correcting minor imperfections as they're making these new husks. And just by like, as if you, you know, welded a new or soldered a new electronic circuit from scratch, that if the connections are stronger, maybe the system will be more efficient. Here, here, however, we're revealed that further studies concluded that powering up for the first time in a new husk may allow an amplification or a, quote, breakthrough in powers. Now, we've already teased, I forget who said it, that like, whoa, Quentin's died at least 18 times. What yep. does that mean for Quentin's powers? Has anybody died as many times as Quentin so far? But That I... means his power will be like 102.5%. <laughs> Stronger than before. Sorry, yeah. I did the death. Well, <laughs> right. It's like how we have to make Freya talk to us about X-Men every day because talking to us makes her like X-Men 10% more, but the end of the week she likes it twice as much. Um, yeah. So, uh, f- fractions. Uh, so, but here's my question to all of you. Is this not just using technology to revolutionize the improvement of a race? Like, it, the five... The whole point of all these X-Men books is that the five are a mutant machine and that mutants are forming machines all over the place. And I guess I just feel like it's kind of hypocrisy for them to go after the children of the vault when they too are combining their power in a technological way to create improvement. I mean, literally, they are doing the same thing as the children of the vault. Am I crazy? No, that's absolutely the point. It's saying, you know, you are not as different as you'd like to think you are. There are analogous groups and that is a much more, I feel like, dangerous, threatening thing to kind of view it that way because it makes them less 
special, but it also makes them more vulnerable. I feel like I'm onto something here. Do you, do you really huh. do? So you're taking that a step further, because that's interesting. Do you think the X-Men, once this memo or gets further out in Krakoa, are going to start changing their mind about resurrection? Like, do any of them want to see some of these mutants that are considered to be too powerful to begin with? Legion, Magneto, do they want to see an, an Omega mutant get put into a new body? Like, <laughs> are some non-Omega mutants gunning to get killed? Like, how does this change the whole universe of resurrection, Freya? I mean, it's, that's one of the reasons this issue is so interesting, and this is what Hickman does best, is like introducing mm -hmm. an idea and then just be like, run with it. So I'm yeah. pretty sure X Factor is going to going to talk about this. This is exactly mm -hmm. precisely what it's getting set up for. But the thing is, it's also, to your point, it's that whole idea of that you eventually become your own enemy, mm -hmm. living unchecked. And yeah. this is what it is. They are becoming their own, like, you know, they are becoming like their own enemy that they have fought so far, for so long. But this is one of the best things that can happen to mutants and X-Men, and I'm here for it. <laughs> well, because, oh my god, they're becoming, they're, like, you know, they're becoming so powerful and so dumb at the same time. <laughs> well, that's what's cool, and maybe I, this is how I read that data page, but just, you know, this all these data pages, especially these, they're, they're a little ominous because you see the weaknesses and the problems that are arising, and you realize in the moment these characters can't see it themselves. And mm -hmm. for me, what I, you know, when they were mentioned like, oh, there are slight anomalies to his baseline scans, but we wrote them off. I'm like, well, hold on. I feel like there's more <laughs> to that story, especially because I think this is huge in the fact like that resurrection is not as locked in and static and like understood as they know. There are, un there are variations. And I feel like no, that I mean, makes this more unreliable. I feel like that's a huge thing that might be developed down the line. Like yeah. what is going on I with mean, these bodies? You know. To agree with you, like Professor X clearly do not know as you no. know <laughs> everything that 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 he he put in place, right? And um, I mean, just go back a little bit. Uh, not so. Let's not go into this. Um, go go too deep into this. Um, for me, I thought um, I, I love the callback when Sync was using his power, there's this rainbow aura. Yeah, because that's the fact that I got very excited by the coloring yeah, there. That was like the yeah. only panel that we see that, and it's such a good callback, because that's how his powers were depicted um, in Gen X. Oh, and cool. I was like, oh, awesome. <laughs> they, they, they did not forget that. And I thought that was really, really cool. Um, you know, and uh, the other thing that I thought was, um, uh, we were talking about... Um, unreliable narrator mm -hmm. in one of our episodes but and that's what this is all about yeah yeah Sink basically described it it's like <laughs> yeah we remember the things that is most memorable to yeah. us <laughs> well i took that that's also how nostalgia as, work people that's yeah. i took that also like almost explaining how how they're gonna at least relay the 537 years to us where it's going to be like we remember the biggest parts and we were there the first day <laughs> yeah. first day day one, day one <laughs> you know we don't remember I, everything else yeah um but so I think I that that was an opportunity to get farther here. Like, if you're going to yeah. set up this kind of Rashomon effect of, like, different people remembering different parts of different stories, and maybe you get to tell it out of order, and maybe we as the reader have to go, why are you going to blow your chance to do that here with just a setup issue and, like, 
push that on to the next issue. I just felt like I wanted to see one hint of it here. There were so yeah. many pages. Look, I'm all for big splash pages that are splashy and like have yeah. an impact. But weird, there was a four page sequence here of giant pages with two or three panels and the art just was not that good. And so I'm kind of like, if you're going to give me a page that has two word balloons on it and the art's not that great and the only thing that happens is this page is people stare at each other, then you had room <laughs> to do more stuff. And this is, as I go back through and look at the Hickman run, I don't know that it's like, I hate Jonathan Hickman so much. I just think he's telling really decompressed stories and it makes me angry because honestly, these artists, you and Azrar, are just not to my taste. I would rather have the booth issue from last issue, which barely made sense, but was overstuffed with crap, than have one of these super decompressed issues. That's just how old I am. That's the kind of comics that like appeal to me. But I just was, I again, was had my seething rage and it wasn't because anything was written badly. I think Hickman did great voices here. But when I got to those four pages of three panels each, I was, I was done. I was like, Def screw this devil's advocate here and I, I don't you know I, I agree for the most part honestly but like i feel like if we had if this had been a more uh concise issue where it had those jumps immediately uh for me just personally you know i don't know these characters that well and i did like getting their voices a little more figured out i wonder if we had just done immediately you know the day one day 100 day you know 200 like i wonder if i that's that's great on a plot perspective that would get a lot in but i wonder if i if i would care less uh mm. that said there's a lot of overuse here that's the the the, the redoing of the data pages is inexcusable i, I cannot argue yeah. with that so I think like the one one of the worst way. If I were the editor, I would do it in a way that each one of them, because it's all about unreliable narrator. So each one of them is telling a story, yeah. and then in the end, we find out each of one of them is telling the story from a different time period, and then how it combines together. This is so how you're, what you're describing is out. powers of X. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> let's do it again. And that's what I'm saying. I mean, I've been reading Powers of X because like, I just finished up a, um, a Hickman yeah. guide, and no. I was like, yeah. I kind of forgot how much I loved Power of X. Like, yeah, I loved thing, Powers yeah. of X. But the thing is, like, but the Powers of X, it's like it's so it takes so long to get there, and when you're reading week to week, you kind of don't realize it. But if it's like doing it in one concise yeah, issue, yeah, and you know it ahead of time, mm -hmm. then you pick something up, and then it kind of goes in. It reads in a diff completely different way shout out to Nike Orsawa's for 20th centuries boy that's how he's telling the story <laughs> anyway so um but the thing is like to that point um like you know so that's one of the reasons it's like okay we didn't even go to the next last page second to last page like oh year 200 like you know mm. give yeah, me something fair. like that something. like you know yeah compress it like okay this is day one and then year 200 is mm. Laura that's, telling the story that's what his Avengers book did in that time travel arc every ending oh, the I issue yeah it was yeah. like a thousand years in the future Peter, doesn't <laughs> Peter love just that, got a rage I love stroke. that yeah <laughs> <laughs> he just like you know just got stuck yeah, um, but fun. I love that but the thing is and I do want to talk about the very last data page mm -hmm. because what on earth, what the F is a point of having rules if you can just bypass <laughs> them whenever. Well, totally you're allowed to kill if the yeah. people are like actual enemy combatants. Right, but then why That's the whole point it... of X-Force, right? The Force Protocol. So this the false is just, protocol. This is, this is just an X-Force splinter group, right? It has a Wolverine on it. It's X-Force. I was thinking that, yeah. yeah. that's true. No. I, I mean, it, in some ways, I, I, I sort of agree with her, yeah? It's like, you know, maybe it's the Asian <laughs> in us. Yeah, like, exactly. What, it is. It does not work if people are given free passes. Yeah. Like, the law will not work in that so, sense. But then, on the other hand, if you are going to have a Black Ops team, they are they are gonna break they're gonna break laws. I'm kind yeah, of in the so, middle. 
I agree with both of y'all. I'm like, yeah, it's, you're being very liberal with this, but also these are like super people, like, I yeah. guess. And you're also in like a hellscape of like a 500 year torment. Like, I guess do what you got to do. Well, I don't know. No, and, I think okay. mine, mine comes more from engineering point of view because mm -hmm. it's like we have interlocks and we have all of this in place from an operation to do. But the thing is like if it's like you're breaking that in that inter you have to bypass that interlock and you have to do mm -hmm. something constantly. That means the interlock is wrong. Go wrong. correct yeah. it. Right. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, you know, in, right. in that case, don't say murder no man. Say murder no man unless you have exhausted all your options. Like, you know what I mean? Just add an addendum, what change a it in some right. Yeah, change I mean, it, I, I come to that from, from the data perspective, right, of like really yeah. having done a lot of work databases and data models, which it's like, you, you know, if you're like, oh, we just had to make this one field breaker, like we couldn't apply the ISO standard because it turns out that people um, write the name of the state with different abbreviations or whatever, like at some point you have to just say, well, you've destroyed the reliability of the data yeah. because you allowed for, um, exceptions like at some point you have to decide when the exceptions stop and i think that it's yeah. with these rules it's like oh we see all these caveats but then what happens the first time a mutant uses that as self-defense yeah. they're like well i had to invoke the force protocol because my life was at risk yeah like yeah. Uh, or or i, mean, I had to invoke the force protocol because someone else's life was at risk how far how do we get from there to basically just like a stand your ground law where the mutants are just like i just saw the need to kill somebody it's a, <laughs> yeah. it's a slippery slope no but it, that's the thing right in the data design perspective if you have to make exceptions all the time then you got to go back to the drawing board right, your because rule is wrong. your initial designs yeah. are wrong or exactly. your instructions are wrong yeah. right you're yeah. instructing exactly. people in a way that doesn't that allows them to not exactly. understand how to interface uh, with the data this, but this, this back, back of... to this data page right i kind of love the fact that hickman is kickman score because it says krakoa one vaults zero that was so funny <laughs> <laughs> it was really I noticed that too. Yeah. No, I, I'm reading I'm reading all of these data pages as like mm -hmm. written by people who think they're smarter than they are. Like the hubris is all there. You can see where this is going page to page. They've established rules, now they're breaking them. I, it makes sense in the moment, but you can tell they're being more liberal. And you I just I feel like it's all there. So yeah, I, I think it's going one way. I have you a know, question I mean, I, for you. Uh, for Tyler's question, you. Freya's comment, and then we're going to wrap this up. Freya. Yeah. Freya, <laughs> no, I'm just, no, no, I was just saying that like, all this, like, discussion is, like, it perfectly, like, you know, gets my uh, engineering heart going, so I really love it. But that's what I'm <laughs> saying. You know, maybe this is the start of questioning those rules, questioning those laws. Yeah. So we established mm -hmm. this back in, like, Hawks 5 or Hawks 6 or whatever it is, and then now we're coming back and we're finding that things are not going right and then maybe well, yeah. we'll change that rule as and, and also x factor has been like campaigning i mean not x factor the five has been campaigning with professor x is like uh well we should do this and professor x is like no x force <laughs> x force takes priority yeah yeah um, exactly so, I have so a the question. thing is like no, no, one last thing I want to say, though. Yeah. Um, this is more of a, like, you know, well, it's also a question. It, we talked about that this, uh, the people coming back and they're coming back changed. Do you think one of the five is deliberately doing it? Hmm. It's, because there is, there are some questionable characters, one of the five. So that's what I'm saying. Is one of them deliberately doing these things and one of them is doing it because his mother told him to. So. I don't know. <laughs> I don't so, know, but these are absolutely so, the questions we should be asking at this point. I think right I think because we're the thing is, like, I really did not like like the whole like the crying scene because I saw. <laughs> I'm like that. I'm like no, son, no. You know You're something. Up to something. Oh, You're off to something. But anyway, so that's just where I go to. All right, Tyler's question. 
the orders given to the children of the vault all happens in force. Yeah. Like, protect the city, protect the city, protect the city, protect the city. Like, it's always repeated four times. Give me your report, 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 report. So I was just thinking, like, what is happening? Like, who who are this four-headed thing that is behind the vault? I kind of view it more as, like, just, like, an, I don't know where that city, where this AI comes from. I almost view them mm. as, like, a natural progression, just, like, things go, advanced AI is just appear it's just something that happens mm -hmm. i haven't like thought of, like a culprit behind it but that would be more interesting from a narrative standpoint well the way i would sum it up is like more so than any plot across any of these dawn of x and reign of x titles the next issue is set up for a big payoff right yeah mm -hmm. we i don't know that we've had any of any of the series set up a payoff as big other than stuff leading into x of swords than what is teased for next issue so this yeah. is a chance for x-men to really step up and do something super memorable or really make a sad trombone noise in a way that's going to be, <laughs> I think, pretty indicative of how this run is going. I don't just say that to be a mean person. I'm just saying, like, at some point, you got to deliver the goods. So yeah. I think the next issue is going to be really interesting. I think a lot of us was were pinning that on this issue because we're like, Wolverine's going to be back. It's going to be great. Yeah. I think it's fine to break it into two, but I am so interested to see what issue number 19 brings. And then issue number 20, the solicit on the cover has Nimrod on Nimrod. it. So I think we're in for two pretty big make or break issues. <laughs> well, next issue no pressure, says, though. it stars. Yeah, what is the Krakoan, Tyler? Close us out. It stars. Oh, so they know. The part they of the run is going to start. After, issue 19, you're already here. After, yeah. after 18 issue, it, it stars. stars. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. I love That's Hickman, but... Uh. <laughs> All right, folks, that is our end of our discussion of the X-Men issues out this week. There were a few other mutant appearances. The ones that I caught this week, Tyler, were in Black Panther, in uh, X, in the Marvel Voices, and also in King and Black Valkyries. Did you catch mm -hmm. anything else this week? Um, I did not, but I think you told me. Black Cat. Yeah, in Black Cat, there's a brief panel of her imagining something about Krakoa. Non-continuity, don't Whoa, know. what was she imagining? I don't know. Her, they were all like <laughs> at her feet, knocked out because she yeah. was all powerful or something. Oh, yeah. Damn. So Tyler, any of those that you think is worth remarking upon before we close up shop here? I mean, I think Valkyrie is a really great issue, but, um, and, and it features, you know, Danny, but um, directly related to Krakoa, I don't think there's anything super memorable. No, I think the Danny last issue was fun because she was written in such a specific way and she was kind of the lead voice character of the issue. Mm -hmm. This week, she's not, so she's there. I mean, she's fine, but this is yeah. not a like, if you're a Danny fan, go seek it out. Maybe when we see the resolve next issue, that yeah. will kind of put some context into it. But I think she, mm -hmm. she was there. It was fine. Uh, the yeah. Marvel Voices uh, Legacy one-shot mm. did have a Domino story in it, co-written by Ken Lashley, one of my all-time uh, favorite X-Men artists back from Excalibur in the 90s. It's fine. It kind of just recaps the Domino stuff that we've seen Domino doing in been talking about so mm -hmm. i don't think it's critical we also see some other x-men including storm and jubilee storm, in uh yeah. in one of the other stories there it's fine and then also there is a storm backup in black panther this week which is a pretty good storm backup because it's very much about krakoa and what you do to solve the problem of a young mutant who reminds you of yourself now that krakoa exists which i think is a really interesting comment on like the way that krakoa means something to people that in the real world are minorities and being discriminated against and how you kind of are 
trying to raise the next generation with the things that you fought for. Not a critical story, but if you like Storm, she's been through this whole Black Panther run that's culminating in just a couple of issues, and it was a very nice, you know, four or five page story. Tyler, anything else you would add to that? No, I mean, there there is a Storm story in, like, Storm-centric story in, in, in Voices as well, right? Right at the end. Um, I mean, it's kind of a... Uh, I mean, normal story, average story. Yeah, it didn't. Fe- doesn't I wasn't break. like, ooh, Krakoa. Yeah, like it, it didn't break yeah. any grounds, no. new grounds on that. So, yeah. I mean, but, you know, I mean, if you're a Storm fan, Storm completist, yeah, go read that story. All right. Well, that's it for us this week on This Week in X. It was, it was a round of books that I don't think we all unequivocally loved or hated any of, but it definitely gave us a lot to talk about, which is the whole point of this. You know, we're four people, especially in the state of 2019 and 2020 and 2021. I don't know where I got 2019. Maybe all years. <laughs> time is gone. Uh, that you don't get to necessarily spend the time live in the comic shop or with your friends, that we have this community with each other on the internet, and we have it with you as our listener, because why, Faria? X-Men is better when it's wrapped together. Yeah, and that was absolutely the case this week. So thank you so much for being part of reading it together with us. We hope you're well, and we hope that you're going to be back for more of This Week in X here on Crushing Comics. Until next time, be well. Bye. Bye. Bye.